previously on the series premiere of Digging for Kryptonite. It was went late 92, it was the winter of 92, and I was with my parents at the Galleria Mall in, in White Plains, New York. We passed by Heroes World, and in the window display was a Superman action figure in a little box to mimic a coffin. And my parents brought me in, they, they bought me the, uh, the collected edition of the Death of Superman storyline. We went home and I remember, I mean, I was five, I wasn't reading yet. And I remember my dad, I sat on my dad's lap and he read it to me and he did the voices and the sound effects and all that stuff. And I, I still have that memory. And, and I was hooked and you know, I've, I've been a fan ever since. Uh, but it, for me, it goes back to, to the death of Superman. And that was how I became a Superman fan. And now the 100th episode of Digging for Kryptonite. Welcome to the 100th episode of Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me for this milestone celebration is returning guest, comic book artist, and my buddy, V. Ken Marion, in studio. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Um, yeah, man, this is great being in the studio. It's it's a very cool setup. So yeah, I'm so happy to be here and uh, I'm psyched for 100 episodes. This is great. Yeah, I have a lot of thanks that I want to say as we make our way through the episode, but I'll start with you. You were here, not here physically, but here in spirit virtually when we did our first episode back in October 2020. You've been on the show a bunch of times. You've been such an enthusiastic supporter and participant in this endeavor. And uh, and I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate it too. And uh, I'm glad to have been on the ride and uh, hopefully we'll do a lot more of this. And I've had so much fun, you know, um, talking Superman and hanging with you and all that. It's been great. And I loved the, uh, one of the listeners gave me the nickname of the Green Ranger of uh, of Digging for Kryptonite. So I, I, I take that proudly. Like, so, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So speaking of listener feedback, I thought one of the things that maybe we can start with is opening up the Metropolis mailbag, so to speak. So I put the call out to everyone for this episode. So normally, to borrow a phrase from the Talkville podcast, we have patron privilege, where patrons at a certain level can submit a comment or question to be addressed on the episode. But for this one, I opened it up to everyone, all levels of the Patreon, all non-patrons, because I was I just wanted to to hear from folks and, and get a sense of what what questions people have about the podcast, our fandoms, Superman, whatever the case may be. And we got a bunch of really good ones. So I thought we could start with that. Some are for me specifically, some are for both of us, some are directly for you, which is awesome. So I think we'll start by opening up the Metropolis mailbag. After that, I want to talk a bit about the audience generally, like where, where people are around the world and share some stats and things like that. Maybe read some reviews that people have left for us, which is uh, always a, a wonderful thing. We did also have a little bit of homework for this episode. We read the Marv Wolfman, Claudio Castellini, Man and Superman story, which is relatively recent, though it was created over a decade ago, but a relatively recently released uh, take on the origin story that really focuses on Clark's early days trying to make it uh, living and working in Metropolis. So we did have a little bit of homework, but mostly, you know, just here to celebrate and kind of reflect on where we are in our respective Superman fan journeys, a hundred episodes into this podcast. And again, a lot of thanks to share and certain specific groups that I, that I'll, I'll thank as, as we make our way through. But I'll just say, I have loved doing this immensely. And I think one of the things that maybe is most surprising even to myself is that a hundred episodes in, I'm still, I'm still like 
chomping at the bit to do more of this. I mean, I no joke. I have the next hundred episodes mapped out. I mean, there's that's, room to maneuver. But that's still. awesome to hear. That's really cool to hear. Because sometimes when you when you dive into something too much, you get a little burned out or whatever. And like, that's awesome to hear that you're still going strong and you got the next hundred, the roadmap at least going. So very cool. Yes, I, like I said, there's there's definitely room to maneuver, but. Uh, I, I know generally where we're going and I'm really excited. And for all of the hours and hours and hours <laughs> that I've spent reading and watching and thinking and talking about Superman, it's just the mythology is so rich. And, uh, you know, just being able to talk to you and all the other guests and get all these different perspectives, there's just always, always, always more to do. So again, everyone mark your calendars for episode 200 uh, a couple of years from now. <laughs> all right. Let's start with some audience questions from the Metropolis mailbag. So this one here is from Grant Richter. Grant has been on the show before. He's going to be on the show again very shortly. We're going to be doing an episode on Tom King's Up in the Sky and Woman of Tomorrow. Grant is also the host of Truth, Justice, and Hope, a Superman podcast. This can be for both of us. He asks, is there an element from the Triangle Era, our beloved Triangle Era, a supporting cast member, villain, lost plot thread, et cetera, that you would like to see come back. Now, I know you've not really read much of the Triangle Era, right? I mean, I've, I, I know the era, and I yeah, I haven't read too much of the through line of it since I was a kid. So, like, I haven't read, like, as the story, like, you've been going back. But, I mean, for me, this is an easy one. It's Steel. Like, Steel, Steel's my boy. He was one of my favorite characters when I was a kid. And, um, yeah, I just think he's got so much untapped potential. I know they've got uh, a mini series coming out pretty soon. I think it's called Steelworks. And my friend Andrew Dollhouse is coloring it, which is pretty cool. So shout out to them. Um, but yeah, like I, I would just want to see Steel like in more, like more in the TV show, more in the cartoons, like a, an ongoing series, you know, have him more prominent in the DC universe with the Justice League or whatever. And it, I mean, he doesn't have to like, you know, become like the main character of the universe or whatever. Like I know that's that's unrealistic, but like I just want to see like, you know, he's a great character and I think he deserves a lot more spotlight and I think he's unique, you know, he's like a unique, cool character. So that for me, that's an easy one. And then I guess... Following up on that, I like Connor Kent Superboy is a, another character that has a soft spot in my heart, like that I grew up with really liking. So those would be my two. And thankfully there's there's currently that Superboy Man of Tomorrow miniseries. So, mm -hmm. you know, he's making a little bit of a comeback. I, again, in both of these instances with Steelworks and Man of Tomorrow, hopefully that leads to more. Hopefully these aren't yeah. just kind of one-offs to sort of placate the, the fans, but that we actually get more. Now, I agree with that. It's funny you mentioned Steel. Obviously we did our big episode on the Steel movie mm -hmm. and you and I were pretty high on that movie. I have to say, people seem to enjoy our episode, but I don't. I don't know how many hearts and minds we really changed with, when it comes to Steel. Because yeah. there have been some times where I've posted Steel-related stuff, and especially talking about the upcoming Flash movie and the multiverse and everything. I'm like, yeah, Michael Keaton is great. That's wonderful, but it's like throw Shaq. Shaq in there. Yeah. And I have not really gotten many people to co-sign on that. But I stand by our episode. I, I agree too, man. Like I, I think that the like people want to go back and crap on steel a lot just like they do with like the movies like shadow and phantom too like and if you go back and watch them they're they're yes they're not up to the par of the movies we have now but they're also not horrible they're like kind of of the time and they're they kind of like are, are in the same line as like batman forever like to me there's not much of a quality difference between steel and batman forever you know it's like it's just one had a, like a bigger stars and bigger you know budget you know um but yeah i yeah i mean i I do like that for Superboy coming back that he's got his classic look with the jacket and stuff like because um, I never really liked when they they just gave him the T-shirt. Um, but yeah, Steel, I just hope they bring him back, man. Or I mean, I, not I know they're bringing him back, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, more like prominent. a place of prominence. No, I hear yeah. you for sure. Can you just do me a quick favor? If you just push this down a little bit, yeah. the mic will be just a little bit lower. Perfect. There we go. How's that? So awesome. Sorry about that, guys. No, it's all good. So 
I guess my answer, the audience can guess what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's always conduit. I, I, it's oh, always nice. Conduit. I just, I, I, I always maintain that there's greater potential, untapped potential for that character. So not the most exciting answer for people who've been listening. <laughs> I'm a broken record with this, but yeah, I, I would, I would say, I would say conduit. I, I would also agree with that. Like, I remember that figure from the, the action figure line and that like intrigued me so much as a kid. I just thought he looked so cool. So, yeah. Our next question from audience member, Kenny Crowley about Kara Zor-El. How important do you feel she is to Superman? And how do you feel live action has treated Kara or Kara, depending on your pronunciation? Hmm. Let have you go on that, on that one first. Let me think about this. In fairness, audience, I am springing all of these questions on Ken. I did not tell yeah. them any of these ahead of time. <laughs> I, so off the cuff, totally off the cuff. But I thought it'd be fun to get the off the cuff. I've not been, I've not been dwelling on these, but I did obviously take a look at them. So I, I knew where we were going. I, it's funny. I think in the past, I, I would have said that Kara Zor-El is not particularly important to me in the context of the overall Superman mythology. But I think that's in large part, and I've talked about this before, like I grew up in a weird time with respect to Supergirl because it wasn't for the first decade almost essentially that I was reading comics. It was not Kara Zor-El. It was mm-hmm. Matrix version, uh, the protoplasm being who merged with Linda Danvers and became an earthborn angel. Like it was just a completely different take. Yeah. And so it wasn't until early to mid 2000s with the one-two punch of that Supergirl arc from Superman Batman that you and I have talked about Love that Michael that Turner arc. did. Yeah. The arc. And then right around the same time, bringing in Laura Vandervoort to Smallville. And mm-hmm. she looked just like she came right off the, Michael you know, Turner the, book, the, yeah. the page of the, of the Turner book. And, and then of course we had the live action Supergirl TV series. The, I guess the, one of the roadblocks to my enjoyment of the Supergirl show, and I, I, overall I liked it a lot. I thought the early seasons were particularly strong. I think Melissa Benoist is a wonderful Supergirl and a, and a great actress. But I think that to me at least, what makes the idea of Kara Zor-El interesting is that she had this whole life on Krypton and didn't have all of the time on Earth that Clark did. So she's more that fish out of water. And on the Supergirl show, they kind of had that where she was, you know, 12 or 13 or whatever when she when she came to Earth. But then, you know, we catch up with her a decade plus later. So she's had all this time mm. to be on Earth. And I guess, and this, I'm not breaking any new ground. I think this is one of the criticisms that, you know, you, you would often hear of the show is that a lot of the villains, a lot of the plot lines that they gave to Supergirl were things that if this had been a Superman show, you would have seen the same sort of thing. Like it just sort of became kind yeah. of, you know, Supergirl spins on traditional Superman, you know, villains and plot lines and things like that. And you only had so much interaction between her and Clark. So mm-hmm. I don't know. So I guess that's where everyone's mileage on the Supergirl show will vary. I think that's what held it back a little bit for me. But big picture, I've really come around just on the idea of Kara Zor-El, this, this idea that it's this living, breathing connection to his home world, this familial aspect. And again, mm. sort of this twist on the idea that she was meant to protect him and now he's yeah. you know, in that mentor role. So I've come around a lot. Yeah, I, that, that's a good point. I, I'm being honest, like she was never a character that really resonated that much with me. Like in terms of like before, before basically before that Michael Turner arc with Superman, Batman, I never really even knew the character, you know, like I saw the episodes of her on the cartoon show, which I don't even think it was Kara Zor-El. I think it was the white t-shirt um, version. Um, she was, she came from, she was Kara, but she, yeah, it wasn't Zor-El. She came from essentially a sister planet. So they, okay. they were kind of like, Oh, you're like my cousin, but it wasn't literally. Oh, his okay. Yeah. 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 So like, um, yeah, I, I just I personally don't have too much of a connection to the character. I never watched the Supergirl show, um, so it's not like I I don't 
dislike the character or like like the character. I just don't have that much feelings that strong either way. I mean, I feel like with all this, these supporting characters like like Robin, Nightwing, all of them, like they're not that essential to like the, like the Bat family is not that essential to Batman. Like you can tell a great Batman story without Robin or Nightwing or Batgirl. Same thing with Superman. You can tell a great Superman story without Supergirl or Superboy or Steel. But they they do add to the universe and make it like more fun and more like more characters for people to latch onto. So like I think the idea of Supergirl is really cool. I just don't have much um, like history with it. You know. No, I hear you. I I will say, and over the course of this episode, I'll drop some teases of things we'll be covering in the future. But I have a whole block of Supergirl episodes that are on the list for next year. Cool. That kind of tie into I mean, next year is going to have, I think, a pretty solid theme overall for the mm-hmm. podcast next year. And Supergirl fits into that really nicely. And so we'll, as we've done with numerous other characters, you know, Lex Luthor in particular, when we did our across time and media uh, run, we'll do something similar. And I mean, I'm excited to, to delve more into Kara Zor-El, but to be honest, that Peter David Supergirl series from the 90s where she's the Earthborn Angel, I never read the whole thing. I read the kind of the beginning and the end, and mm-hmm. I've always kind of been intrigued by it, and I always wanted to go back and give it another shot all the way through. So that it's funny because I'm such a 90s kid. That might be the one that would resonate with me the most just because like it's so different, but who knows? Yeah. You could just check out sometime. I mean, that's then even just talking about it, it's like this protoplasm. She merges with this dying girl. She becomes an earthborn angel. Like it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But Hey, I know that, you know, that series has a lot of fans and I, I do like what I've read of it. Gary Frank did the early art. Uh, and then Leonard Kirk did a bunch of it for a while. Anyway, we, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Romello Malone. He is one of the most active members of our flat squirrel podcast network, Facebook group. Side awesome. note, folks, if you're not a member, please join. And look, as always, please connect on, on social media. So digging for kryptonite is, has pages on pages or profiles on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have that flat squirrel podcast network, Facebook group. You can email me flat squirrel productions at gmail.com. You know, get in touch. I'd love to hear from folks kind of on that note. I, I, I could talk more about this when I sort of thank the audience, but it's like, there are certain people in your, your old neighbor, Tim, Tim Bruns is, yes. is a perfect example where shout I, out to him. I hear from him after almost every episode. He always has such kind words and he's always sharing, you know, his take or something else that he thinks might be of interest for me to read or watch or something like that. And he's not alone. Like there, I hear from people all the time and, and I, and I love that. And it's great. So I, you know, I thanked him. I thank everyone who, who reaches out. And I mentioned him in particular because yeah, there's this yeah. funny coincidence that yeah, you it's, <laughs> grew yeah. up next to him, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, he, so the, the neighborhood where my parents lived, where I grew up, um, he, his family moved across the street in maybe when I was like in high school. And like, I never really knew him that much. Right. Like he's my neighbor and I, and my parents were friendly, but I just wasn't um, like, like never interact that much. And then he like about a, a year ago told my parents, they were talking in the, you know, the street and he's like, yeah, I heard your son on digging for kryptonite. And then since then, like we've actually become pretty good friends. Like I, I whenever I go home, like I talk to him and um, we, we text a lot. Like he'll always send me stuff from like, you know, like, back in the nineties or like, you know, like cool action figure designs that are coming out and stuff. So like we, we have a pretty cool uh, friendship, like um, based off like ding for kryptonite, which is so crazy. Cause he literally grew, grew up across the street. So it's, it's so funny. Small world. I know. I love that. I love that. So Romello asks, so this, his question points to Superman too. Now we've done on this podcast, two episodes all about the two different versions of Superman too. So he asked if we worked at WB and wanted essentially to put out the best version of Superman 2, the movie, which one would it be? Would it be the Donner cut, the Lester cut, or 
a combined version and, and how would you combine? I know that's a big question, but I guess just, I guess the, the gut reaction of your, I guess, yeah, your preferred version of the movie. Is it Donner? Is it Lester? Or is it some sort of hypothetical blend? Donner. Donner. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love the line general. Do you want to step outside? I mean, I feel like that's like the only thing that's like anchoring me to the, the Lester cut was when Superman's like general care to step outside. Like it's such a badass line. It's like, it's so iconic too in like the lore of the character, but it's tethered to that God awful diner scene that like, I just, I can't wrap my head around that being a good, like for people who complain about Superman snapping Zod's ne- like neck saying that's out of character, which to a degree, yes it is. But like, I think him like, like picking a fight with like the diner guy is like so out of character. So like, I don't know. I, I think, and the, the Donner version is a little more serious. So I like that. I don't know. I maybe blend the two and just keep that one scene where he tells you to step outside. Maybe that's the only part I would keep. It's interesting. Our friend uh, Rob O'Connor from the all-star super fan podcast. He was on the George Reeve show with me a little while ago, but I saw he commented on, on a post recently about, an upcoming screening of the Donner cut. And he expressed some frustration that the theatrical cut seems to be kind of getting pushed aside. And it's like, that's the version that we all grew up with. And, you know, I guess he doesn't want to see it lost in the shuffle. And I, and I can identify with that. I think for me, ultimately, I do think what is probably the best version is a hybrid. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick, honestly, I, I still go Donner because I think, and I know, you know, I don't won't rehash these episodes that we already did, but those Jor-El scenes, those Jor-El scenes complete uh, a narrative and emotional arc that connect the two movies and mm-hmm. really give you a beautiful, complete story. And so for the Jor-El scenes alone, mm-hmm. I have to give the edge to Donner. But I do think, if, if it were up to me, I love how the Donner cut pulled back on the slapstick. I did not miss that. Yeah. So I agree with you. Tone-wise, I go Donner. I think what I would keep from Lester, of course, the general, would you care to step outside? I mean, that's like insane to me that that's yeah. like, and I that's get, cr- it's so crazy. Cause that totally doesn't fit the rest of the stuff you put it. Like it's crazy. That that's what God, he did. Yeah. 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 But I think that the scene where Lois finds out that Clark is Superman from the Lester cut where he trips and he falls into the fire that I would keep that scene because really I would for two reasons. One, the screen test that's in the Donner cut, it's just, it's jarring. Like it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. True. True. As a, as a deleted scene bonus feature. Beautiful. I would love to see it as far as like what's literally going to be in the movie. I would go with. And the other thing that I really do like, you keep that like cornball hotel that they're in with the fire pit, the the bearskin rug and everything. Oh, I just, (laughs) it's so weird. (laughs) You know what it is though? I, and, but that just that one scene, because what I, I think what puts it over the top for me is when Lois says, maybe you wanted to trip like yeah. maybe you wanted me to know and i feel like that just kind of adds a lay it layers something on top of it where it's like oh it's not just that he was clumsy or whatever it's like yeah maybe there is a part of him that's tired of yeah. keeping up this yeah. ruse so i would i would keep that i would keep the general would you care to step outside and then very simply and we've talked about this and i think a lot of people are in agreement excise the reversing time and simply when he drops her off when he drops lois off the balcony and flies away that's the end of the movie and mm-hmm. it's this just bittersweet conclusion. And it's, I think that's the perfect version of Superman two for me. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. And, and to the, the listener that you said, uh, was talking about the screening. What, what did you say his name was Rob, Rob? So yeah, Rob, I would agree with you. Um, that I, so, so I'm not sure if you know, if you listen to our other episodes, but like I did, I only watched Superman two, like 
twice in my whole life. Like I didn't have, I didn't watch a lot when I was a kid. So if I did watch a lot when I was a kid, like I did the first one, I would probably be in lockstep agreement, agreement with you that, yeah, that's the one we grew up with. It's a nostalgic one. I just didn't have that connection because I didn't have the VHS of it growing up. All I had was the first one. So for me, it was like, yeah, I, I just like this more serious tone, I guess, of the second one now as an adult. But like, if I did have those childhood nostalgia ties, I would be right there with you if you like original cut. Yeah, no, for sure. We have a couple of questions from uh, Ethan Ronker and, and Bruce Kanan. Uh, these point to our other podcast, our sister podcast series, another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman. I don't have answers to these questions. Ask me when we get to episode 100 of that podcast. Uh, but Ethan asks, how many how many countries did Adventures of Superman play in and how many different languages was it translated into? And then Bruce asked, uh, basically talking about how the sixth season of the show sort of was a little bit of a return to form, uh, bringing back a little bit more of the season two vibe after a few years of like really kid-friendly stories. So I don't really have answers to those. We'll see when we get there. But this is a perfect opportunity to just encourage everyone, if you haven't yet sampled another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman, Ken was a guest recently and is going to be a guest again. And one of the things that I've really tried to do with that show is, and I, I totally understand if someone's like, well, I've never really watched Adventures of Superman or it's not particularly my thing. If the podcast doesn't speak to you, I get it. But, you know, we really go through each episode and we break it down and we give you everything you need. And we talk about not just that episode, but kind of how it applies, you know, throughout the rest of the Superman mythology. So there's a lot of, I think, fun Superman talk that's not only solely confined to Adventures of Superman. So it's been a blast. As of this recording, we're like two thirds of the way through season one. So we're, we're, we're really rocking there. And uh, I hope people will check it out. And I thank you for being on. And I look forward to your return appearance when we do Ghost Wolf. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. And I also want to say to people that if <laughs> you are a Superman fan, and I hope you are if you're watching this or listening to this, um, yeah, and you've never watched Adventures, uh, The Adventures of Superman, The George Reeves Show, or if you've only ever seen like one or two episodes and like you have very little knowledge of it, I strongly encourage people to go check it out because it's a very, very, very fun, like cool, nostalgic show. So like, and even if you didn't grow up with it, like I think there's elements of like, if you just like kind of throwback TV, like I love Lucy and stuff like that. If you grew up with stuff like that, this will also kind of hearken to that kind of feeling that you would get from watching those old shows. So like, I definitely encourage people to check it out. Yes, I, I cannot. I cannot echo that more. Uh, our next questions come from Rick Reason, the delightful Rick Reason on Twitter. Uh, Rick, Rick is another one of those guys, like in the Tim category. No joke. Every week that I put out an episode or of both shows, of this and another exciting episode, he listens seemingly always that first day if he's able to quote tweets the my original tweet and talks about how much he enjoyed the episode well, thanks rick and i awesome. I, I really i really do appreciate it it's funny because i you know i always say and it is true that i would do this even if people weren't listening because i i do genuinely find it personally fulfilling and i enjoy the prep and i enjoy the conversations and i feel the conversations are worth having at the same time if i were putting this out and 10 people were downloading it and or I was just never hearing anything from anyone. Yeah, I think it would probably be hard to sustain the enthusiasm and to mm -hmm. do as much of it as I do. I For think sure, that's yeah. I think that's kind of the difference. It's not that, oh, I wouldn't do it at all, but this really kind of adds fuel to the fire. And it's like, it makes me excited to think about the next hundred episodes. Cause it's like, yeah, like people are along for the ride here. So yeah, no, I seriously, thank you so much, Rick and Tim and everyone who's like listening every week and engaging you know like that's so cool like as content creators like that's like 
like so important for us and we appreciate it so much. So on behalf of Anthony and myself for all the stuff, like seriously, thank you. Thank you so much. Wait till we get to Brian's questions on the next page. Cause he has, a, uh, he describes you and it's, it's perfect. We'll get to it in a second. <laughs> is it Brian? I know Brian, Brian O'Day or is it? No, this okay. is Brian Dempsey, one of our, okay. one of our uh, audience members and, and patrons. I don't know if Brian O'Day listens to the podcast. I, I don't know. Brian, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> one of my buddies from our old comic shop. Anyway, so Rick asks, uh, why did you get into podcasting? Speaking of the comic shop. So I, I know I've talked about this, but when my old comic shop, Alternate Realities, announced that it was closing, I wanted to do something to chronicle the end. And I had always, I had listened to podcasts, Kevin Smith's podcast in particular, like in the early to mid 2000s. Like I, I was a, a big listener of those. And I just tell kinda, him Steve Dave. Did you ever listen to them? I, yeah, I listen yeah. to tell him Steve Dave. I still Dave. listen to them. They're really funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've fallen off, but I, I've definitely listened to a lot. And, and I just kind of fell in love with the form. I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is really cool. And I always kind of wanted to do something, but I, I just, I don't know. I never really had an angle or a hook. And I was, in retrospect, it's like, you dummy, you should have just done it. It's like, why not? You know, but yeah. when, once the, the closing of the store came around, it's like, okay, now this is about something. And so my comic shop history was the first show that I did and, and was my main focus for a really long time. And then uh, currently as we're, as we're doing this, we're in the final few episodes of my comic shop history. But as I knew that I was building towards the end of that, I didn't want to stop podcasting. And it was like, okay, what else, what else would I be interested enough in to talk about indefinitely? Mm-hmm. And it's a short list. It's Superman. It begins yeah. and ends with Superman. And so, you know, that's kind of what led here. And then, you know, we've had these really kind of interesting organic outgrowths of this podcast with another exciting episode and even Power Rangers, uh, uh, you know, or summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey, like kind of taking this approach, going through my fandom and everything, but kind of doing it in the context of that. So that's where it, where it began. And then Rick also asked, how many episodes do you typically stay ahead? A couple. A couple. I'm not, mm -hmm. it's not like I'm like 10 episodes ahead. I would say a couple. And for shows like the Reeves show or the Power Rangers show, those are bi-weekly. So two episodes ahead is a month. Mm -hmm. So that gives me a lot of breathing room for digging for kryptonite. You know, a couple episodes is a couple of weeks, but that's fine. It's funny. Like the, we did a super friends mixtape episode with Jeremy like last year and it was a lot of fun. That was one that I had recorded really far in advance. And in our recording, we talked about how HBO Max, they had just announced there's going to be a Wonder Twins movie with KJ Apa from Riverdale. We talked all about it. And then in between recording and release, the movie got scrapped. And I was like, God damn it. And so I was like, I went in and I chopped it out. And it's not a big deal. But that's one of the reasons I don't like to go so far ahead mm -hmm. because, you know, you, you potentially run that risk. So I, you know, I like to stay pretty close, but with a cushion. So if something falls apart, I have something else ready to go. And usually that's fine. Obviously, at the beginning of this year, we missed an episode. I was sick. I didn't have anything in the bank. So it goes, but uh, that's, that's usually the goal. Nice. All right. We have a whole page of questions from Brian Dempsey. All right. So, let's do it, Brian. So, so one of our patrons, and they're great questions, and I thank you, Brian. Brian is the most the most active when it comes to uh, submitting questions at that Patreon level, and, and it's great. They're always really thoughtful, interesting questions. So let me start with what he said about you. This is, this is great. It's funny because I, I wouldn't have said this, but when I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally spot on. He goes... I just want to say that I appreciate it every time V Ken is on the podcast. He oh, brings thanks, such man. enthusiasm. It's almost like he has to say what he's thinking or might explode. He's very <laughs> infectious, which I think is, is spot on like that, that enthusiasm, man, it's palpable. And he says, and I identify with this a lot. You, you've, you've, you've really helped me a lot in this respect, Ken. He, but he, Brian says, I'm more of a fan of writing and character arcs, but Ken's perspective has really opened my eyes to truly appreciating the art the reason behind panel size and design and those creators who can effectively tell stories visually. I mean, it's oh, really cool. 
that that really means a lot, man. Thank you so much, Brian. Like that that's so cool to hear. And it's true. I, and I, you know, you, you hear me, I catch myself a lot on the show where, uh, you know, I make sure to, to talk about the art, even if it's, you know, I know we don't spend as much time on it as we do the stories, but I, you know, I do always remind myself like, this is a visual medium. And mm-hmm. I, this comes up, I think a lot when we talk about Grant Morrison, cause like that's a writer where if you don't have the right artist, some of those big ideas can kind of get lost in the shuffle, but you have mm-hmm. an artist who can really kind of translate what Morrison is going for. And it's like, Oh, this, I totally get this and it, and it works. So it's, it's yeah. such a huge piece. I mean, I, I, I think there's this weird divide in modern like fandom and the industry in general, where like there's this hard separation between the writer and the artist. And like, I I really do think that like they need each other like symbiotically and like you could have the best written story in the world, but if it's drawn poorly or boringly, it doesn't connect. And like, and, and that's something that like is so hard to like articulate like with people like and if and if you're there if they're not looking out for it, like it's one of those things that you're not even realizing it if you're when you're reading a comic like sometimes you might like like you might think that was a terrible story but really it was just like the art didn't connect with you in a way that conveyed what the story was supposed to be doing right and subsequently like if there's really great art and like not a great story that can like make the story seem better like you know what i mean like what like just from like like how the characters look and how the panels are laid out and what what's focused on and what is made impactful like that like i think like not less more so sorry i'm getting a lot of ideas kind of like swirling around right now no i hear you from from the idea of like not only from what the actual style is right like because like someone thinks like jim lee versus like i don't know like uh frank quietly or ed mcginnis right very three very radically different styles like aside from just like how they draw eyes or hair or faces right it's more like like they each have their own way of interpreting and telling the story and i think it's so like like um integral to the experience of reading you know what i mean like it, it really does like because if you actually read a comic book script it's it's very like um uh antiseptic like it, it it's very hard to to if you as a just as a, as a casual reader if you just read like a script like the stuff that i get before i draw it like it it doesn't it doesn't read like a novel reads like it's it's very like it's it, it, it doesn't conjure emotion yeah necessarily. No, no yeah yeah it's it's you're doing a lot of the work in your head reading it. And, um, and so like, I do, I do wish there'd be more of a, just in fandom and in, in, you know, editorial, everything, every part of the aspect of the industry would be more of less about pitting it art versus writing and more of them together as like a team or like a a single, like creative voice, you know? Um, cause I do think they're both really important. Like I, and cause like, you need to have really good stories in comics, right? Like the, the writing's super important. Like the stories, the overall story is why you're there, right? But like how that's conveyed and the emotions that are felt, that's mostly through the art. And like, yeah, I, I just, I, I think there should be a lot more of a conjoining of both uh, ideas, if that makes sense. No, well said. No, I, I agree with that. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. 
Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. We are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show, too. Thank you. Oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw Yeah! So Brian has some questions for you, some questions for me, some questions for both of us. Uh, I'll start with one of the ones for you first. He says, again, another Triangle Era question. If you could have worked on Superman during the Triangle Era, we'll assume there's a time machine because you were a child yeah, at the time. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like five, six. <laughs> <laughs> Which writer from the Triangle Era would you most like to have been paired with, and why? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the go-to is Dan Jurgens, right? Because he, but, but, I mean, Roger Stern did some good stuff too. Yeah. Stern is up there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. I obviously, you know, thinking of what you might say, I went to Jurgens, of course, as well. But I, I don't know. I think about like Louise Simonson on Man of Steel and, and, and know, Steel, right? And, she did Steel. Yeah. And Steel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, John Bogdanov was, was her, you know, primary you know, penciler. And, you know, it was like his art in particular, like really had this, this energy to it. I mean, your styles are different, but like that, that energy, I don't mm-hmm. know. But, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, of course I would have loved to draw steel. So yeah, Louis Simonson would have been awesome to, to draw steel. <laughs> that would have been awesome, yeah. I know. Look, all these ans- answers kind of come together, right? It's like a common theme here with steel. Yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see. Brian asked me, but you this, you know, you can certainly answer this too. What is something you learned about Superman while producing this podcast you didn't know before and may not have ever known without it? I remain embarrassed about this, but that friggin' Ruby Spears cartoon from 1988. I, it's true. If you look, I never, I never heard about that. A couple of years ago, if you had put a million dollars in front of me and said, all right, for a million dollars, did this Ruby Spears cartoon exist? I would have said no. Yeah. I, I, I have no. no memory of that. Like that was never played in reruns on any cartoon channel when we were growing up. So, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to answer this question. I mean, my appreciation for the character in so many facets has deepened, but I mean, as far as, like that was legit something I just didn't know that it existed. Yeah. Yeah. You know what though? I will say directly based on this podcast is Superman and Lois. I only watched that show because you told me to, because I thought that first little two minute thing they put out was so hokey and bad looking that like, I was like, I, I can't watch this. Like I, but you told me it was really good. And we were just talking before we went live that I think Tyler Heckle might be one of the best Superman ever. Like, so like that I'll directly say to the show that I've, like I've, I've watched the first season. I'm kind of behind. I haven't watched past season one, mainly because my wife has not had the time. We haven't synced up the time to like watch together. So, um, but 
yeah, like that show. I, I love that show. It's a great show. And I, I, I've only watched it because of you telling me to. So that's a more relevant answer to now for me, for sure. Yeah. That, well, and the perfect segue, because one of the questions that Brian had for both of us, please tell the audience if you saw the diner scene in Superman and Lois season three, episode four, and what you thought of it. So I am current on the show. I watched. It's funny. I watched that particular episode the day after. And I remember that the night that it aired, it was already starting to circulate on social media and I didn't watch it, but I knew there was like, I knew there was a diner scene. And of course you think Superman, you think diner scene, you think of him beating up the bully in Superman too. So I kind of had a sense of like, okay, we're in that territory, but I, I avoided spoilers. Uh, now you, as you said, you're behind on the show, but before we sat down to record, we pulled it up on YouTube for you and you yeah, went and you yeah. watched it. So we've both seen it. What was, what was your reaction to that scene? I was just like, damn, this is cool. This is from season three or season two. The most current season. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't watched, but essentially, you know, this continues from the prior season where Superman and Lois' son, John, uh, has been dating this girl named Candace. uh, whose father is, you know, this, this real dirtbag. And there's this sequence where he, or a plot line where he steals John's truck and John, you know, confronts him. And uh, again, these are, these are light spoilers. It's, it's not ruining the season or anything like that, but uh, the dad punches John and gives him a black eye. And then Lois goes to confront him and he, and he pulls, pulls a gun on her. And so then we build to this confrontation in the diner where Clark, not Superman, but Clark. Mm -hmm. And that was, there was a, a the preceding scene where, uh, you know, John explains what's been going on and Clark storms off and Lois is like, Clark, like this isn't a job for Superman. And he goes, he's not going. And, he, and it's just like, oh my God. And like, you know, like, you know, this is going to be good. Oh, it was so good, dude. I see, I didn't see that part. I just saw, literally saw the diner part just now. But like, I was like, damn, this is so badass. This is what made me say like, Tyler Hecklin's one of the best Superman that there was. Cause like, he's everything that you want him to be. And that's, so he's, he's compassionate and caring. Right. But he's also like, he's a badass and he's, you're not going to mess with them. And like, he's laying down the law and like, he's like not letting anyone hurt him or his family or like people around and like and he's doing it with authority and like commanding respect and like it's like i think that aspect has been lost so much with superman like in so much media in so many of the comic books like they they focus so much on him just being this like kind-hearted gentle person and like that has to be there but there needs to also be this other like tough aspect to him that is just always lost so like it was so cool to see that yeah it I, i've mentioned a number of times on the show you know some of those you know, I know we did our episode on our top Smallville moments, but there are certain moments just in the Superman mythology generally that live rent-free in my head, as the saying goes. And the world of cardboard line from the end of Justice League Unlimited or the not impressed bit from uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's a good one. I mean, there, there's so many. This instantly rose to that level for me. In in the moment of watching this scene, I was just like, oh, this is a scene I'm going to be pulling up on YouTube and I'm going to be playing in my head a lot because exactly to your point. And, and what you get to see in that scene is sort of the range of who this guy is because he's, he's tough and he takes no nonsense, but he's, as soon as it's done, right, he turns around and he apologizes to the rest of the patrons. He's like, I'm sorry for interrupting your dinner. And mm -hmm. he's throughout from the beginning, he's concerned about how this guy's daughter is going to react because she's there working as a, a waitress in the diner. Like he tries to get this guy to go outside. He's like, I don't want your daughter to see this. And then mm -hmm. you know, he apologizes to her at the end. And I think the other thing about it that's so cool is like, yeah, we know that he, you know, Clark knows going into this, this guy can't hurt him, but you watch it and it's like, that wouldn't make a difference, right? Like it's the way he carries himself. I, to me, it's like, that's what John, that's what 
Pa Kent would do and what mm-hmm. Clark maybe even saw Pa Kent do at some point, right? Someone wrongs you, wrongs your family. You go in, you confront them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you know, not, not tearing people's heads off, but yeah. you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some sort of reckoning here. Yeah. And, and especially as I always say on this show, but as a dad and, you know, thinking about the specific context where you see your son's been hit by this grown man, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it, it all just tracked and felt very real and believable. And even taking the Superman out of the equation, it just felt like, yep, this is exactly mm-hmm. how this would play out. It was such a good scene. And I love, I think my, my, like my second favorite part of the scene is just Kyle Cushing's reaction. He's like, damn, Kent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. He's like one of the MVPs of the show. Him and uh, um, Emmanuel Shrieky. Yeah. Yeah. It's such, a, I, I'm excited for you to get caught up. You know, we did a whole episode on season two. Season two was good. But they lost me a bit with, uh, you know, not to spoil, but all of the merging worlds and all that business. But this season so far has been very grounded, very emotional, really focused on the family mm-hmm. and, and much more personal stakes. And uh, I'm excited for you to see it. I, I, it's been great so far. I'm excited uh, as it as it plays out. You know, as, as a side note um, for listeners, um, Emmanuel Shrieky, who plays um, Lana Lang on the show, she was on a show called Entourage that we both really liked. And um the the guys who do the guys who are the writer of the entourage and two of the actors have a podcast called victory the podcast and she was on one of the episodes and she was talking all about making the show and like um one of her fight scenes and she dislocated a shoulder it was a whole big story but it was a really great if you like this show and you you like her she's so fun to listen to and like she gives a lot of really cool insight into making the show and it's like a really great listen so check it out check out victory the podcast a little plug for those guys even though they clearly don't need it but like yeah <laughs> I really should save this for off mic, but I don't want to forget. Just yesterday, put up an episode. They finally got Adrian, Adrian Grenier. I listened to it. It was great. Yeah. I just started. I haven't gone through the whole thing, but you know, there was, you know, they've been doing the show for so long and he hadn't been on and there was all this talk like, do they get along? Is he mad yeah. at them? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I was like, oh my God, they he's got like, him. He's like a farmer now. Like yeah. he's just not like, you know, <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing. So, uh, yeah. So we, so Brian, but we, we, uh, we love, we love that. So let's see. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, again, this is directed to me, but you can answer. But I think this is, you know, since I've been doing all of this homework, what issue, story arc, or media program have you read or watched for the podcast that you never want to reread or revisit? Okay. <laughs> thankfully, that's, mean, that's a mean question. Like, thankfully, it's a real short list, honestly. And I, I think for the most part, even when I've been a little bit more down on something or more critical or poked more fun, whatever the case may be. Nevertheless, there are very, very few instances where I really felt like, man, this was really tough to get through. I don't think I could ever do this again. The couple of things that come to mind, sad to say, those Kirk Allen movie serials, Mm -hmm. those were hard. Those were really tough to get through. And like we talked about, I think what made it difficult is those were not at all meant to be binged. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I tried to watch it. So if I ever were to attempt those again, yeah, I would probably do one a night or one a week or something like that. And I guess it would be more more digestible but even within that i don't know that i really would ever have much of a drive to go back to those again but but definitely trying to watch from the way it did that was tough and then frank miller's superman year one that one really pissed me off i just thought that was terrible and I, it just was so it was just so i don't know i i i, 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 I haven't actually read it so i can't i can't uh that's that's a mean question it was really that bad you thought it was that bad i thought it was that who, bad. who drew that john ramita jr okay I mean, he's just, a good artist i like john ramita jr yeah yeah it just uh 
I don't know. We did a whole. Was, it, was it just like was it the characterization that you didn't like? Because I, I did listen to your episode, but I can't. It's not fresh in my head. Like what you wasn't the, just wasn't the characterization wasn't there. Like was that it? It was it was the characterization, but it was more just where the story went. I, and I you know there's this whole extended sequence where he's like living in Atlantis with Laurie Lamaris, and then the the end just felt so abrupt. It just mm. I didn't feel like it really had anything additive to the mythology you know you we there have been so many tellings of the origin story and look the one that we read for for this episode man and superman you know at least that was this attempt to say okay we're really going to drill down on the early days of metropolis you know there's a whole sequence where he's working as a janitor right because mm-hmm. he you know he's trying to make his get his foot in the door at the daily planet and it's like okay you get to see see him take in this huge city which is such a big departure from the farm you know so it's yeah. one of those things where it's like okay that that is kind of adding something i just felt like uh, the, the, the Frank Miller story just didn't really mm-hmm. didn't contribute anything. I don't, I don't mean to continue to beat up on it, but that was, those are, I, again, a couple of instances where I just really felt like, man, this is a little tough, but look, yeah. two episodes out of a hundred. I mean, mostly everything yeah. that we've looked at or, or read or watched or listened to, you know, there's, there's not much else that I'd be like, I please don't ever show that to me again. <laughs> I mean, if I had to just kind of like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, going back to the stuff that like, other than like, comic books that were just forgettable that I'm probably never going to read again. Cause like, I don't even remember them kind of thing, you know, cause I've read so many Superman comics. Like, so I'm sure there's like some issues in there that like, just for whatever reason, I'll just never go back to, but like the big stuff, I feel like Superman three is something that I like never want to watch again. Like I just, it's like, I, I hated it when I saw it for the first time when I was like in my twenties and I just thought it was so atrocious and Superman four is not much better, but at least there's like some fighting with a villain Whereas like Superman three, it's like, he's fighting like old people. Like it's like old computer grammar. It's just, it's so boring and weird. And like, I just, yeah, it's one for me. It just doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. So, and unless like my future children want to watch it, then maybe I'll watch it. But like, I will never watch that again on my own. Um, I'm with you on Superman three as well. And I agree with you. I Superman four at least tried, at least mm-hmm. was trying to be about something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. About the nuclear thing. And they have a villain, like it's, Superman three just feels like a weird, like, Oh, Richard Pryor is a hot comedian. Let's throw him in there for no reason. You know, it's just, it's very strange. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's see. Uh, another question for you. (laughs) What are you, what are your favorite and least favorite things, Ken, about being a professional artist? Mm. Oh man. That's a, I mean, favorite obviously is like, you get, I will, I mean, you, you get to draw for a living, which is awesome, you know? Um, and, I get to make my own schedule. I get to work from home, which is cool. So I can like, you know, make my own food and work out whenever I want and like stuff like that. So it's, it's cool to make your own schedule. But downside of it is that mostly means you're working almost every day. <laughs> so like, um, six to seven days a week. And you like, so usually, yeah, it's almost always working on the weekends and unless there's like a vacation or something, but like, um, that, and then just like the deadline grind is like, it's, it's very like stressful <laughs> for sure. Like, so that can sometimes, and then also like, I mean, this is compound with the deadline grind, but like having to get stuff done by a certain time, even when like you're creatively like not feeling it or not, the juices aren't flowing. You still got to kind of got to push through it. And like, and that can be sometimes some of the most depressing, stressful times ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's probably the hardest part is just like the deadlines and then just the sheer amount of work that drawing comics is like, it's like, it's, very very time consuming so so please appreciate your artists when you read comics like even if you don't like the style or whatever just like like know that they worked really hard on it you know like because that's kind of what i've come down to when i was younger i was would think like oh this art sucks like i don't like and it's like 
no one who works professionally as art sucks. It's just, it just doesn't either resonate with you or not, you know, like, so, and it's, it's totally subjective. And I know that there's people out there who like love my stuff and I'm like so grateful for that. And thank you so much for all the support for everyone. And I know there's people out there who probably hate my stuff and like, and it's, it's not a reflection of how hard I worked on it. It's just, it just doesn't resonate with them. So, um, so yeah, so that's, and, th- and then also that, that also can be a kind of negative thing too. When people like say like mean things about your work online, like that can, but that you, you have to, if you're, if you're going to step out into like any sort of public degree whatsoever, you kind of have to expect there's going to be people who are not going to like what you do and you just can't let it bother you. You know, you just have to, um, just put that shield up and like not engage with negativity and just like not let it bother you, you know? So but yeah, but, but overall I wouldn't, wouldn't change it. Like I love drawing and I love telling stories and I love making comics and yeah, it's the, that's the best part of it, you know, is getting to be creative for a living. Oh, right on. No, it's, it's funny. So uh, in a little bit, I'll read some of our Apple podcast reviews uh, not too long ago. Cause I do check periodically just to kind of see what, you know, if we got any new ratings, reviews, what people are saying, what people are thinking. I'm pretty sure it was one person because of the timing of this, but like someone went on a one star rating spree of like all my shows. And I was just like, okay, like they didn't write a review. So I don't know what the issue was, Yeah, uh, but I just saw these one star ratings pop up and it's like, okay, you know, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is. But what I kind yeah. of, kind of to your point, what I think to myself is like, okay, the show is reaching more people, right? And the more people you reach, again, mm-hmm. some will like it, some won't, you know? And it could be any number of things. I could have expressed some opinion in something that someone was, that just set them off. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, you just kind of, I try to focus on, again, certainly all of the, you know, the positive feedback and also the idea you can't please everybody. And yeah, that, yeah, you're, the, you're never going to, yeah. Like the more people you're, you're reaching and that's kind of like the positive that I really try to focus on. It's like, well, you know, mm-hmm. we're getting it out there. Like people are consuming it. And so, yeah. you know, you kind of have to no, be willing to take that. Yeah. It's all part of like growing it, right? Like if you have a very small audience and it's like super dedicated fan base, that's, that's great. But then the bigger you get, right, the more opportunities are going to be for people who do not like it, you know? And like, and that's just it's just the nature of like entertainment, right? Like not like the the best band in the world, like cause someone's like least favorite band, you know what I mean? Like there's someone out there who the Beatles is like their end all be all. And there's someone out there who like hates the Beatles. It's their least favorite like musical act ever. So like, it's just, it's just the nature of it, you know? And so your other point, you know, cause I know I, I offer this disclaimer a lot and I don't know if people are tired of hearing it, but you know, when we are critical of something, I, I, I always do make the point of like, Hey, I still appreciate the work and the effort that went into this because that exactly. And especially now as whether it's this podcast or documentaries that I make, like whatever it is, it's like, yeah, there's a ton of work. Like if something doesn't, if it just doesn't work even objectively or subjectively, it's just not your, t- whatever it is, mm-hmm. there's still so much that goes into it. So that's why, you know, I, I do always say that. And that's one of the groups of people I want to thank uh, as, as we're here at episode 100, the creators whose work we've talked about for 100 episodes because, it, you know, there would be no podcast otherwise. They've all contributed to this vast mythology for 85 years. And yeah, even stuff that doesn't work or doesn't work for me, you know, I still appreciate what went into it. Again, mm-hmm. I think the only, I don't mean to keep beating up on Superman year one, but I, I just feel like where. I think if I ever do have like genuine frustration, it's like kind of the intention. If I feel like something wasn't particularly well-intentioned or just whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be, like misguided. But again, those are very fleeting instances. I mean, I feel like people are always trying to do something worthwhile. Yeah, but even like with that, like Superman Worthwhile, I can guarantee you John Romita Jr. worked his ass off drawing it. You know what I mean? It's like there's still like so much work that went into it. Like The art was fine. I didn't mind the art. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I really like John. John Romita Jr. is great. He's a great storyteller and like he's got – really cool like like his panels are so full you know like these like putting so many backgrounds and stuff like that if i can go on like a little tangent, yeah. art tangent here like 
that, that I've noticed that historically comics, a lot of comics from all over the world, like it, it's kind of meant to be made quickly. Right. And like the comics we grew up loving in like the seventies, eighties, nineties, like it wasn't really until the late nineties through the early two thousands that kind of went to now where I feel like the quality of what's expected is so insane in terms of like how much backgrounds like editors want. Like it's, it, it, and I kind of think it actually hurts the reading experience too. Cause it, it slows you down a lot. Right. And like, um, like, yeah, I, I kind of want there to be like a, a move to go back to like more simpler, not, and I don't mean term, I don't mean simpler in terms of like less lines. I mean, simpler in terms of like big characters, backgrounds only when needed, you know, kind of thing. Like just because like, it's so much work. And when you're reading comics, like a lot of people just kind of like blow through that stuff anyway. And it doesn't really like register, you know, like a good example is the book that we read for this is the 100 page spectacular. The artist who drew that, he worked his ass off. Like there's so many crowd scenes, so many backgrounds, but and, like, but when I was reading it, I was like realizing like, I'm just kind of like flying through this. And like, it's like, what, like, what's the point of like, like, cause I can guarantee you, he, he took him like two or three days to draw those pages. They're, they're so dense. And so it's like, and, and I know there's a thing now where people like complain about comics being late. And like a lot of that always comes down to the artist because it's so much work drawing like these super detailed, lush, you know, intense like backgrounds and stuff. So, I don't know. I'm just, just food for thought, food for thought. No, you know? I, that's, that's a, that is a great point. I, I totally get what you're saying here. Let's see. He next asked about a creator interviews. Brian said, you've had Mark Wade on the podcast, but are there any other Superman creators living or dead that you wish you could also interview? I'll leave the, the you know, well, it's just within the realm of who we could potentially get. Oh, I have an answer for the dead one. Oh, who? Yeah, old Michael Turner. That'd be oh, my, yeah. I mean, he was like one of my all time favorite artists, like my number one or two, depending on the day, you know, like he's like one of my biggest inspirations. And like he did one of my favorite stories for Superman, which is the Supergirl arc um, and Superman Batman. So yeah, I would love to like talk to him for like an hour. That'd be amazing. No, that is a good answer. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I've addressed this before. Like I've not really pursued other than that Wade interview where I really wanted to ask him about birthright. Mm-hmm. Like I've not pursued it. And maybe at some point I will, I guess, I don't know how to explain this. It's, I, 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 I don't want to, like, I wouldn't want to do it just to do it. Although, mm-hmm. you know, it from a, you know, sort of tactical standpoint, it would probably make sense because I would probably get more, you know, eyes and ears on yeah. the podcast. So there's value in that. And it's not that I wouldn't enjoy talking to Dan Jurgens, for example. He, he's a good example to go to because that seems like such a no brainer, right? Mm-hmm. My affection and history with that, the Superman, of course. But I guess part of it is what would I say to him or ask him that hasn't been said or asked? And I think if and when I'm able to answer those questions and really mm-hmm. come up with something that I think would be interesting for me, for him, for the audience, I would just happily try to reach out and see if we could, we could get him on. Well, I got a list for you that I would okay. like to hear you. All right. Okay. Oh, so Lenny you, who's the artist on birthright. I would love to hear you talk to him. Yeah. Um, I think he lives in the Philippines. So the timing on that would be like kind of crazy. It'd probably either be like super early morning or for one of you guys. Um, um, Zach Snyder. I would love to hear you talk to, you know, that'd be great. Cause I'm sure you could talk to him for forever about it. Um, Frank Miller. I would love to hear you talk to ask, talk to Frank Miller about like his thoughts on Superman and not just Superman Earth year one, but just like his, as a character, you know what I mean? Cause like he's a polarizing figure. I feel like among the Superman fandom, right? Like people either really like what he does or really don't like it. So it'd be interesting to hear your take, like hear you and ask him questions like that. And, um, 
Uh, there was one. Oh, Jeff Johns. That's the other one. Jeff Johns is who is someone I would like to hear you interview. Interesting. Interesting. It's kind of like an all-star list here. So yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dan, Dan Jurgens too, obviously like, well, audience, if there are people you would, would want to hear me talk to, well, let me know and we'll see if maybe we can make that happen. Dude, Henry Cavill. Dude, there's so many well, people I you mean, could get to like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly. Tyler Hecklin. You, uh, yeah. yeah, no, that would, that would be cool. You know, actually kind of on that note, let me ask you something because what I know a lot of Superman fans always like to, to talk about is sort of your, you know, your, the, your best of list, like your, you know, your favorite Superman actor or top five Superman. A lot mm-hmm. of times it's spe- specifically in the context of the actors. That's, mm-hmm. I feel like where you hear it the most. And, you know, a lot of times if I've, you know, guessed it on another podcast, not so much if we're there to talk about something specific, but if it's more of like a general Superman talk, that almost always comes up. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you, do you, like, do you have a list that's you know, ready Solid. to go off the top of your head. I mean, my number one and two are always going to be Christopher Reeve and uh, Tom Welling, just just purely from like childhood nostalgia. And I think they're both great. Like, so it's not like, you know, I don't think that's challenged, but I do really think Tyler Hecklin's awesome. Like, I think he's great. And I think him and Henry Cavill, they're different and I like them equally, but they're like, I like them equally, but different, you know, like, so um, yeah. Do, I mean, do you have a list? Well, two things. Number one, yeah, Tom Welling is always, is always on it and at the top. But I notice sometimes he's not on people's list because of this sort of like, well, he didn't, he wasn't actually Superman. I, he was Superman. Like, I yeah. agree. I agree. And so, that, but it's, I guess from an emotional standpoint. Yeah. I mean, Tom Welling is always my number one. I mean, Smallville was so formative, but mm-hmm. I kind of, I don't want to say, oh, I reject the question, but the thing, one of the main things I've learned here is that there's room for a lot of different versions. Like Dean Cain, He's good. Maybe not the like, best Superman, but a great Clark and a perfect Clark for that show. Yeah. You know, I, if, I've been doing a fair amount of rewatching of, you know, Lois and Clark and over these past couple of years. And it's like, man, the chemistry between those two was on fire. It did, I think, a really good job of bringing the world of Metropolis and the Daily Planet newsroom to life in terms of, you know, uh, villains or plot lines, maybe not so much, but in terms of just that vibe and that world of Metropolis, it really felt like those triangle comics brought to life. And yeah. It, gave it was a good you, show. It gave you an exploration of their relationship that you hadn't the 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 time and the depth that you got there is something that you don't typically see or ha- certainly hadn't seen mm-hmm. you know to that point. So I think that's a very underrated and entry. Terry Hatcher is on very high on my list for the best Lois Lanes. She's yeah. probably my number two behind Erica Durant. Probably if I'm. I'm quickly going through them in my head. I think, yeah, she's, she's great. Like that, that's a really good show. It's underrated. I think as Superman fans, we're kind of lucky in the sense that I don't think there's been a single actor that I've seen that I can think of that was bad. Right. Like, I think Batman has a couple that are like, not that great. You know, like, whereas like, like Superman, like, I think every one of them has been pretty good. Like I, I've, there's never one. I mean, people have their own lists, right. Of which one they like better or whatnot. But like, I think at baseline, they've all been like, good you know i yeah no i agree totally and that's why i think it's it's hard it's to rank them necessarily too because it depends what era it depends what take on the character if we're talking a good golden age takeoff on the character george reeves i mean george reeves is one of my favorite yeah i wouldn't be doing this other podcast otherwise he's great yeah you know again i think from an a from that emotional standpoint yeah, i always Go Tom Welling. Although I don't know if you like woke me up in the middle of the night and you're like, who's Superman? I don't know. Maybe Christopher Reeve would be the first. I mean, that's so indelible, so iconic, but yeah. 
yeah, in terms of just like what really Christopher Reeve for me, like his Superman is like awesome, but I, I don't like his Clark take as much. Yes. Whereas like there's other, like you're talking about Dean Cain where his Superman's like, okay, but his Clark is like really good. Um, and then, yeah. And George, George Reeves, that's my dad's favorite one. They'll always be my dad's favorite Superman. Cause it's the one he grew up with, you know? And like, it's such a, un- it's, I don't want to say unique cause it's very golden age, but like, it's, it's so different from everything that's come after, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I agree with you. I don't look if I had a, a least favorite, I, going back to those movie serials, Kirk Allen, but even Kirk Allen did some interesting things there. And he did in fairness, a better job than George Reeves in differentiating the characters. He did. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, you know, even was he the first, he was the, and he was the first the too. First, so it's like, yeah. in fairness, I've actually never seen those. So I, I would be talking out of, uh, they're worth watching at least like a few minutes of just to get a feel for it. But it's mm-hmm. uh, I, again, going back to what I said earlier, I don't know that I'd be like, Oh, you got to sit down and watch them all. Did you ever see the Batman ones of those? I own them. I have I not have, seen them. Cause my dad has those and we tried watching it and th- those are horrendous. Like those are so crazy bad. Like, yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't have those. Uh, our last question from Perry Constantine. Perry has been on the show and will be on the show again very shortly. We're going to be doing an episode on Stephen T. Siegel's autobiographical original graphic novel. It's a bird. Uh, and Perry also hosts the Superhero Cinephiles podcast, which I've been on a couple of times. I hope people will check that out. He says, if you had an opportunity to write a Superman story, what would you do? If you can't think of anything specific, what are some things you think would definitely be in it? So Perry, I have my answer to that and I'm I'm not sharing it because maybe one day I'll get the chance to do it. I've always, like I've never written a comic and it's not something that I've ever truly specifically aspired to, but I've always felt I I have at least one Mm -hmm. Superman story in me. And especially over the course of doing this podcast and looking at the history and the evolution of the character, I actually have like a fairly specific idea of what I would want to do. And I think it would be really cool. And what will ultimately happen? Maybe one day I'll write it and we'll like read it out on the podcast or something like that. But I don't know. I do know the editor. I do know the editor there. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you do. And I think he's, he's the, he's the Superman editor, right? Paul. Yeah. So the one thing I'll say, because I've got Paul. Yeah. Which which is crazy. I've worked with Paul a number, number of years and I've, always forget to bring up that I know you, which is so funny. So I feel like at this time when, if I, whenever I do bring it up, it's going to be one of these weird things at this point where it's like, why didn't I bring this up years ago? You know? Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, I kind of know what I would want to do, or at least the general setup and vibe of it. But I will say, cause I've gone on record. If I, if I ever write anything Superman related, uh, he's getting thrown in the sun because I just think it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's great. It's just this running, this running bit of like every time he's powerless, he's just thrown in the sun. Oh. It's fine. <laughs> so th- that'll be nice, in there. But nice. uh, now obviously you've drawn Superman. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in the world of Superman? And you take this question wherever you want, but anything Superman related, I guess maybe steel <laughs> that, that you haven't had the chance to draw a, a, a well, villain, I mean, a setting of anything. I mean, yeah. So I, to answer the original question, I would do have like a story for Superman that I would want to tell that I would want to write and draw. Like, um, and I don't want to go into the details of it because it's not a hundred percent fully fleshed out in my head. What, you know, details or whatever, but I would say that I would create new villains. That would be like a big thing that I want to do. Like I wouldn't want to touch Lex Luthor. I feel like a lot of those characters are so played out. Like I want to create new villains and I would really want to dial up the toughness action side of Superman. And like, while also retaining the heart and the spirit and like sort of like, like the, I'm never going to give up kind of like, strength of the character. But I do think that as I've said many times, I feel like he's been nerfed a lot over the years. And like, I want to tell a story of someone 
like as strong as Superman, like, like how do you challenge him and make it like compelling and, and not like how do you challenge his brain? Cause every writer does that. Every, everyone's like, well, well this time he won't be able to punch his way out of it. And it's like, well, okay. That's literally every comic is of Superman is that is him like figuring mentally figuring it out. So it's like, I, I just want to kind of like, I'm a big dragon ball Z fan. And like, like a lot of the things that have been applied with Goku, I feel like could be applied in a way to Superman. Like, cause a lot of the complaints of Superman is like, Oh, you got, you got to make mental problems for him because he's so strong. Nothing can stop him. It's like, well, my argument to that is always like Goku is so much stronger than Superman. Like if they got into a fight, he'd like blow Superman apart, like in like no problem. And like, but and, and a lot of, a lot of anime characters like this, they're very, very powerful, but they still find ways to challenge them in a visual action setting as well as mentally, as well as emotionally. Like, so that would be something that would be very forefront in my mind of, like I want Superman to be challenged on all three levels of like emotionally, mentally, and physically, and not just the mentally, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I dig that. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. So I thank all of the audience members who submitted questions. That was uh, our Metropolis mailbag segment of our 100th episode here. Ken, you've been on the show a bunch of times. I, I meant to crunch the numbers and see exactly how many times, but I, I neglected to do that. But you've been on a bunch. Do you have a favorite episode of the ones you've done? Ooh. Oh, man. I, I have to go back to think. I mean, I really liked our Zack Snyder Justice League episode. That was the Snyder Cut. That was a good one. Um, bah, 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 bah. When we talked about um, uh, su- uh, the Superman Batman arcs that Jeff Loeb did with Michael Turner and Ed McGinnis that was a lot of fun um, and the Steel movie one was good that yeah. was a fun one man that was I mean there's so many that I'm like we've done a lot and, and they're crisscrossing in my head because I did some of your Power Rangers <laughs> ones and and the Smallville one that we did from yeah. From was that a Patreon exclusive? No, that was uh, that was for the main show. No, 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 the first one we did. Oh yeah, that the was years first, ago. That yeah, was for Patreon. Yeah, yeah, that was a great one. That yeah. was a good one. So I know. No, there's not a there's not a bad one in the bunch. I I've enjoyed. Honestly, I, I, I it maybe sounds like I'm just saying it, but I, I mean it sincerely. I mean I I enjoy all of the episodes with you and and all the other guests. And I think part of it is that and I, I think the audience hopefully has gotten the sense like none of this is willy nilly. I mean, I, I put a lot of thought into what we're going to cover and who's going to be on to cover it. And so 
there hopefully there's enough in the prep where when we get to the episode, it's like we have all of the ingredients there. So that's why I'm able to <laughs> to enjoy them. I would say, yeah, for the ones that we've, I mean, I really have enjoyed them all. The Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's like it was such a profound experience watching that movie and i was so excited to talk about it with you and i had such a great time doing it and, mm-hmm. and that's why and this is not to get into the snyder stuff but it's like regardless of what anyone says or thinks or feels about that movie that universe whatever nothing will ever take away from that 3 a.m to 7 a.m experience that i had in march of 2021 when that movie came out it's like i could not have been more excited and usually that's a recipe for disappointment yeah and yeah, instead yeah. i just had the best time and, and then it so was so cool. fun to talk about it. and so that's why that's kind of how I make peace with the, the the movie side of it all. It's like, you know what? I got that movie. It was everything I wanted it to be. It gave me that Clark's walk through the fortress where he hears the voices of his fathers. Mm-hmm. Your heart was tested, but you gave hope to their world. It's it's time, son, fly. The not impressed bit. It's like, these are some of my favorite Superman moments from anything. So it's like, I will always have that. Yeah, yeah. It's a good movie, man. It's a good. Movie. I, I have not watched it since because it's so long. So <laughs> I will say that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, it was it was a lot of fun. And that was one where I was so excited about it. Part of me was like, is it really going to be that much better? And it was. It was. It was. I was so excited, but apprehensive. And like, I had a great time with it. I went through like four like pop, like sessions of popcorn. Went through, you know, like popping four bowls, giant bowls of popcorn. It was great. It was. I, You know, the first episode of Digging for Kryptonite that you were on was another Snyder episode. It was in defense of Zack Snyder's yes. Superman. Yeah. That was one of the earliest episodes we recorded. It was the first time we were using Ecamm, this video conferencing platform. That we, there were tornado warnings as we were recording. You got knocked off a couple of times. All of it is in the episode. I didn't edit it. But it was like... It was just this early instance, I think, of what this podcast could be. Like, we, we just, like, we're really diving in. It was a long episode. It wasn't the first long episode, but it was, a, it was an early episode that went long. And it was just, you know, just diving in and really digging and, and having these conversations. Uh, I think it was it was just so much fun. And it, it really helped the, the episodes before it as well. But that one in particular, like, just, like, galvanized me. Like, all right, this is what, like, I just want to get into it and, like, and keep doing this. So. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. That's so cool, man. Like, that's so cool to hear. Like, I, yeah, I've always had so much fun on like every time you've had me on. Like, it's so fun to like hang out and talk about this stuff and like, and just like nerd out and like, you know, like I, I wish I like grew up like in the same area as you. So like we could have been friends like all these years, like talking about Superman and everything at the comic store and everything, you know? Pretty I know, cool. I know. But hey, at least we connected. We made yeah. up for lost time. And that's a good segue. I want to talk a bit about the audience, where people are from and share some of their reviews. And there's actually, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to jump to this first because on, on the note of what you just said, the very first review, and I'm not going to read all the reviews this We'll get masturbatory at a certain point. So it's like, we'll I'll read just, the terrible ones. Just, we'll read the bad ones. Do not. <laughs> <laughs> but the very first review that came through was October 25th, 2020. And our pilot episode was the only one that was out yet. So this only speaks to what you and I did in that first episode. And it's from BJD 1975. But he said, this was like listening to two of my friends discussing my favorite character, two friends who understood my favorite character. Love it. I'm hooked. So glad I didn't have to wait until 2021 because that was the original release plan where we moved it up. He said, bring on the next episode. So well, thanks, like, man. Thank you. Like, that's awesome to hear. I hope you're still listening. I hope you still like content, you know? Yeah, and I probably lost him with episode <laughs> two. <laughs> no. The but, Superman 2 episode. But I want to say, so we are, as of this recording, we're, we're closing in. We're close to 40,000 downloads. That's not per episode. <laughs> that's overall. But you know, there's, there's a range, right? And obviously the biggest podcasts out there get, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of downloads per episode. That's a, a different category. But 
Uh, there's one of the podcast hosting services. I don't know if it was Buzzsprout or something like that. I don't know. They put out some stats not too long ago. And it was basically like if you get 72 downloads or something like that within your first week, that puts you in the top quarter of podcasts or something like oh, that. Wow. Because there's so many yeah. podcasts out there. So that's just to say we're we're in good shape. I always want more people to find the show and always want to grow. But, you know, I, I'm it means the world to me that we've reached as many people as we have. The vast majority of people are, are listening via Apple. Uh, Spotify was number two, but at a distant second. I know there are some people mm. who are just not, you know, not uh, Apple users at all, but most people seem to be consuming that way. Perhaps unsurprisingly, 81% of our audience is in the United States, but we have audience members in the UK, Canada, Australia, Spain, Hong Kong, Japan, Brazil, Ireland, Mexico, Greece, Germany, Sweden, Peru, Philippines, France. Oh, that's so awesome. Now the numbers get smaller and smaller as we go down here, but Singapore, Russia, Denmark, Taiwan, Austria, South Africa, Italy, New Zealand, Switzerland. Is this, is this only through Apple or is this through everything? This is through everything. Okay. And as far as guests we've had throughout the United States, we have people from Florida, Ohio, Texas, California, North Carolina. I mean, I've connected with people I've I've never been in the same room with, but we've been able to have them on. And then from around the world, if I guess from Japan, the UK, Australia, Ireland, it's so awesome. It's really one of the things that has been, uh, again, really this unexpected delight of doing this is just connecting with so many people. And I was going back and I was listening to a little bit of our, the first episode that we did. And one of the first things you and I talked about was how we were so happy to find each other. And we talked about how in our earliest conversation, we talked about how much we love Superman and how, Mm -hmm despite how popular the character is or how longstanding the character is for both of us, you know, we had not been in a lot of situations and you know, you're in the comics industry. I worked at a comic shop. Often we were not hearing from other people like, Oh, I love Superman. Yeah. No, I would be be made fun of for like Superman being my favorite character. I'd be like, Oh, how could you like Superman? He he sucks. He's boring. He's lame. You know, like, and like, I, I, I can't, wrap my head around that. Like, I just, so like, that's like, I feel like he, he needs to be brought up again to like the, the number one, number one spot. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things connecting with so many people who, who share our love for the character has been really nice and like validating where it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, it's not, just, it's not just us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah, for the audience, like, thank you so much for everyone who's listened. Like we really appreciate it. Like I, I really appreciate it. just as a guest, you know, I'm I'm just a, a, a humble guest here, but like, I appreciate it so much. And like, yes, please. Like if you love this show and you love Superman, you have any friends that you think that like comics and like have any tangential interest in Superman, like please like send it their way, you know? And like, hopefully they'll, they'll like what they hear, you know? That's the thing. I, I echo that. And I, I always appreciate when people share and, and you, you're, you're always so helpful on that front. And I appreciate it. And, and other audience members share on social media. That's great. Please everyone keep doing that. But to Ken's point, it's like, if there's one person in your life who, you know, likes Superman and they might not know about this podcast, tell them. Or the next time you go to your comic shop, if you're talking with someone, you see they've got Superman in their stack, be like, hey, listen yeah. to Digging for Kryptonite. Because, you know, that's the thing. A person here and there and, and, and we continue to grow. So I, I know I've been I've been expressing some thanks, but I, I just want to take a minute here and, and just say a, a few words. And then we're, we still have a few other areas to cover here. Uh, we're not We're not signing off yet, but I just want to say, Again, to to the audience generally, like I said, uh, the, the the enthusiasm, the feedback really really helps fuel this. So uh, it, it means the world to me. And you know, people people send me gifts. People send me gifts. I mean, behind me on the shelf here, there's a piece of artwork from Filtastic Phil Menza uh, of me reading the Death of Superman. It's on the bookshelf. Oh yeah, me. I was wondering. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, and I was wondering what that was like because it, it from here it looks almost like a 
like like a really old like old old drawing. I wasn't sure if that was something from like the forties or something, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he just sent that to me for for my birthday. I, I did an episode not too long ago with Superman cosplayer Daniel Sanchez, who, as we talked about, designed that early nineties fossil Superman watch. And I talked in the episode about how I had thrown out the phone booth packaging that it came in. Well, another listener, Lou Coza, who's an Adventures of Superman historian, sent me, and you can see it on the shelf down there, sent me the packaging. That's so cool. And people send me stuff a lot. I, it's not ex- expected, but it's greatly appreciated. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So just thank you. And, you know, I've been talking about people who send stuff or write in or whatnot. There are, I, but the majority of people I've never heard from, right? And may never hear from. And that's totally fine too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just appreciate you tuning in and whatever part of your day, your routine, the, the, the podcast can serve. I, I appreciate it. If you want to reach out, please feel free. I, always, I do always love to hear from people, but I thank the audience generally. I thank our Patreon community specifically, patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. And I plug it in every episode, but in case you're like, what the hell is this thing he's always talking about? So it's this membership where you pay a fee depending on your tier and that helps me create this podcast and in return you get perks. So at our $1 level, we have bonus episodes, specifically the Digging for Justice DC Movie Rewatch podcast. At the $3 level, you get to listen to episodes early. At the $5 level, you get to submit a comment or a question that we talk about on air. The $10 level is a sponsorship package. So all those sponsor commercials you hear, that's where that comes from. We have a $25 tier where we do a special episode with you as the guest. And even a $75 tier where I offer podcast coaching. And we have people at every level. And what that has allowed me to do is it's paid for all of the equipment that I use. It pays for my Captivate.fm podcast hosting service fee so that we can actually get the podcast online and get it onto all of the platforms that people listen to it on. It pays for Ecamm, our video conferencing platform. It pays for my web hosting fees. And it allows me to be able to devote the amount of time that I do to this because if this were costing me money, again, it's not that I wouldn't do it at all, but I don't know that I would be able to justify to myself or to my wife uh, that... (laughs) it's it's you know when it comes to creative things like you know it everything does cost money unfortunately it's you know um like podcasting um making movies making comic books you know draw like all of it takes a lot of time like it's very time consuming so like it needs to generate some kind of revenue to like allow it to happen you know because like you got you gotta eat right you gotta you gotta pay rent you gotta eat so you know yeah, no, absolutely. So I thank all patrons past and present. And I, you know, I don't, I have, I've had people who have been patrons from the beginning. I started this in, I think, 2018. Um, and then people who have left, people who have left and come back. And I appreciate everyone. And, and as I've mentioned, there are different ways that you can join. You can be a monthly subscriber, you can be an annual subscriber, and you save uh, two months. Um, you can even do a free trial. So if you've never done it, you know, please feel free to check it out. Do a free trial. If you do the annual subscription at the $1 level, it's 10 bucks for the year. So totally worth it. Like, so like, think about how much money you spend on like, you know, like fast food or (laughs) coffee or whatever. Like seriously, like, um, if you like the content Anthony is putting out there, like there's there's more of it, obviously, if you get it, but like, it, it definitely goes to supporting like, you know, hard, very hardworking creator here. So (laughs) I, I, please everyone, um, if you, if you can, you know, that'd be awesome. No, I, I appreciate that. And and again, the episodes we're doing there are a lot of fun. I mean, the the DC Movie Rewatch podcast, we started with you. We did the Batman. We did the Green Lantern movie. Uh, most recently, uh, Phil Tastic and I, we did Catwoman. And, you Ooh, know, that, I can't wait to hear that one. <laughs> that brings us back to Steel because, uh, again, to further defend our position in the Steel movie, 
at least it was John Henry Irons. Like it felt like John Henry Irons. They yeah. they tap they captured the core. I mean, there, there's principles. shots right out of Steel Number One that are in that movie, like straight up, like yeah. translated to film. Yeah, because you watch Catwoman and it's like, what am I watching? This yeah. does not feel in any way, shape, or form like the character. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so again, thank you, audience. Thank you, patrons. Uh, again, the creators whose work we've discussed, and you know, last but far from least, the guests. You know, yourself included. I mean, I, it's. To a person, it's like every single person who has been on has just been rock solid in terms of reliability, preparation, and just enthusiasm for this. And, you know, the the fact that I think that's one of the other big thing that has kind of sustained my enthusiasm for this is, and this is, I I think, in part why I have rotating guests, because like everyone has a different amount of time they can commit to certain things. Like, mm-hmm. again, I know, like I haven't asked you to do a hundred or like a 50, you know, issue run of something. Cause I know that with, with your drawings, get like, it's tough to carve out. Yeah. It, it was hard doing the one issue. I'm going to be <laughs> honest. Like, I'm also a very slow reader like that. that we, we read that hundred page issue that took me like literally, like literally that took me like an hour and 40 minutes to read. Like, so I'm, I'm a very slow reader when it comes to comics. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand. But but I think that's the other thing that's really kind of sustained me in this is because like we're always bringing in, you know, we have our kind of our, our roster of guests and people come in and out. But, it, you know, it's it's like, you know, I try to pair people based on, you know, what what they're interested in and what they have a background in or, or and again, what level of commitment they're able to make. And it's just, uh, you know, it's it's just always fun. Like I'm always excited when we sit down to record, but even if I weren't or even if it's been a long day or whatever, yeah, you know, once we get going, it's just it's uh it's real fun. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Um, yeah, I want to shout out some of your guests too, like, cause you've got a great stable roster, you know, um, Jeremy that you did all the, um, like, uh, the, the super friend stuff with and the animated, the super animated show. Those are some great episodes. Like he's really fun to listen to. And Sean from fat moose is always great to hear. And, um, and Justin, man, like I, I met Justin DeVoe who does like the best movie commentary with you ever. Like, I think he's got to do all the, the DC movies because he's got, he's so like entertaining to listen to, but, um, yeah, he he. I met him at Comic Con a few times now. He's a um, really cool guy, you know. And it's like it's so cool to like to be able to meet people like through the podcast, you know. It's very cool. No, no, I I I, I echo all of that. Yeah, Justin will be on. We'll be talking the Flash movie. Uh, yeah, I, I can't that. wait to hear that. Yeah, we'll we'll probably be throwing up the explicit tag uh, for that. So just <laughs> be on the lookout for that. <laughs> That's coming. But uh, no, I, I just I appreciate everyone who's who's been part of this. Uh, it really, it really means a lot. So let me read a couple of reviews. Again, I, I won't go through all of them, but uh, I just wanted to, to give a shout out to to some folks who took the time to you know to put pen to paper, so to speak, and and, and submit these. So Glenn Clark, uh, another one on Twitter, very supportive, very vocal, very active. Uh, says best active weekly Superman podcast rotating co-hosts not only keep the podcast fresh but also allow people with the passion for certain eras uh, to really shine. If you like Superman, you should give this one a listen. Uh, Ollie says I love the podcast. Uh, uh, Anthony's a great podcaster; definitely recommend it. Uh, Eric Noriega, uh, who goes by Swag Daddy, on uh, <laughs> he, as he said, he's not the one who set that uh, that username. I think it was his son, but in any event, uh, he. This gentleman, I've never met. He lives in Texas, I believe. He has been with me since the beginning of my comic shop history. He's one of those oh, like, wow. day one patrons uh, nice. who has just been so supportive. And his review means a lot generally, but also because this kind of speaks to another idea here about kind of like who we're reaching. He says, I'm not a huge fan of Superman. I've enjoyed you know many of his stories told across different uh, you know media and eras. This podcast has done a wonderful job of documenting, documenting these stories. It's been a true education on Superman and has opened new doors 
uh, with respect to the character that I've greatly enjoyed uh, exploring. Can't recommend this podcast enough, even for the casual uh, Superman fan. And I've heard that in a couple of instances. So it's like, yes, I imagine the bulk of our audience, right, are people like us who love Superman. But if we're kind of knocking down some doors and, you know, kind of opening up the character to people who, you know, maybe are, are, have less affinity. That's, I love that. That's very cool. Yeah. So again, I want to read these all, but I, I, at a certain point, I I don't know if it becomes too self-indulgent. So maybe I'll stop it at that point, but I, I do genuinely appreciate everyone who has, those were our few most recent ones, but I really appreciate everyone. And I encourage everyone to leave a review uh, specifically on Apple Podcasts. I know Spotify, for example, you can rate, but there's not a review box, but on Apple Podcasts in particular. And uh, maybe we'll read it on an upcoming episode. So I, I hope people will uh, will do that. Yeah, thank you so much for everyone because um, engagement's like super important. So like, thank you so much for putting the reviews out there. Yes, no, absolutely. So one of the things that always comes up and we're talking off mic about this, but just kind of the idea of gaps in our Superman fandoms. Like when we did that first episode, we, mm-hmm. we talked about that. Like what yeah. are the things that, you know, in 85 years across time and media, there's a lot, like there's yeah. a lot out there and there's a lot that we, you know, hadn't, hadn't explored yet at this point for you. And I know obviously you've done some of the homework, right. For episodes that you've been on, I guess for ones that you haven't been on, you know, you've heard our discussions, but you haven't yeah. actually, but what at this point do you consider the biggest gaps in your fandom or the, or the gaps that you are most interested in closing? I mean, I would definitely love to go back to read all the the Triangle era um, because that that's like the era I grew up with. And like that is definitely something that I'd be uh, all your coverage on it. Was so fun to listen to, too. So I, that's something, you know, when, you know, day of days, when I get more time, you know, it's some, some mythical time in the future when I have time to just do like a ton of reading. Like I would love to go and read through all that for sure. Um that's probably the biggest one. And that's probably the biggest gaps too. The comics themselves are probably the biggest gaps because there's just so many of them, you know, and from so many different eras. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I never saw the Ruby Spears cartoon, but like, I don't really, I don't really feel a burning desire to go back to watch it, you know, that, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess Superman and Lois right now, I want to keep going on that. Like I I haven't watched past season one. So I do, that's probably next on my list of things that I want to kind of watch. What about Krypton? don't really have an interest it's it it, it's if this was like 2000 i'd be all over it but there's just so much superhero stuff out there right now that like unless it like really speaks to me in some way it's like just not for me you know no that makes sense i understand not not crapping on them or like the idea or anything it's just it's just there's just so much stuff out there that like it kind of gets shuttled down yeah have you seen krypton yet no, that's one of, I mean, there aren't as, I have far fewer gaps in my fandom now than a hundred mm-hmm. episodes ago. That still remains one, but the, we'll be covering those two seasons in two of our final 2023 episodes. So okay. we'll, we'll be getting there. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's interesting because at the beginning when I set out to do this and was originally mapping out episodes, I, I mean, I, I've essentially kept to this, but I definitely, my feeling at the beginning was, you know, you don't have to cover everything, like just cover what you're interested in. But I guess what's happened is I've become interested in more. So I have done episodes on things like, you know, we've, we've touched on the radio show, for example, where I don't know that at the outset of this, I was chomping at the bit to, to cover it. But, mm-hmm. you know, Superman smashes the clan, for example, right, came from that clan of the fiery cross, you know, radio serial. And so that I was interested in that. And mm-hmm. um, so, it, you know, it's gotten to this point now where 
and maybe this is kind of going back to the comic shop piece of it, like that, the, the OCD completist mentality where I'm like, I've covered so much and I'm like, I could do it all, <laughs> but there's so much, but I, I yeah. would say, and I mean, it's so, it's so crazy to me, right? Like we're doing this whole George Reeves podcast when we did episode one, I had only seen a couple episodes of adventures of Superman. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge gap in the fandom that now has been mostly closed. I mean, I still haven't seen all of the color episodes, but we're, yeah. we'll, we'll get there. Uh, you know, again, you know, watching the the Kirk Allen serials for the first time, delving into the radio show, discovering that the Rupee Spears cartoon existed. You know, it's funny. I went back and listened to like one of our very first episodes we ever did. I think it was the Doomsday Clock episode on my comic shop history. It was either the, yeah. yeah. And I remember bringing up the George Reeves show to you. And I, I, list, I listened back to this like, I don't know, maybe six months ago, but like it was so funny to me because it, it, it really popped for me that like, I, I said to you, did you ever watch the George Reeves show? And your response was like, Eh. <laughs> it was like it was just a very dismissive like 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 eh, eh, I don't really care like and I think it's so funny that cut to now and you're like it's like one of the best things ever and you've got a whole show about it I just think it's a really cool uh, 180 that you took that is I got to go back and listen yeah. no, I mean that's 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 one of the things with this is is and I don't you know I I don't want to make just make it sound like oh everything is so great but that is one of my biggest takeaways from doing this is. In, in virtually every instance, I've, you know, if there's something that I previously liked, I, I like it more now after going through this process. And then there are things that maybe didn't necessarily speak to me before that now I can appreciate their their place in the fandom and why why they exist in terms of their their context. I mean, look, after everything we went through, going through that Nick Cage movie that, that didn't happen, you know, my perspective on Superman Returns changed a lot. And it's like, oh, okay, like now I, I understand this movie a lot more because you understand the production hell that they went through and yeah. why they ended up with that for better or worse. And it's like, oh, okay, like it, you, it just, everything clicks a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that was a good, the Nick Cage episode was really good. Oh, um, yeah, I know. I, I know. Yeah, I, forgot I forgot about that That was one. a good one. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, it's funny because I think, like when you started this show, like I could hear it basically when I, as a, just as a fan and listener and just having conversations with you, like I, I think you had an idea in your head, like we all do of what Superman is and what he should be and like what he means to you. And like every single fan has that, right? Like it's like who I see as Superman is different from who you see as Superman, who is different from like, um, uh, Rick, he's a Superman, you know? And like, it's just the nature of the beast. But I feel like I've, listening to these episodes of you over these last hundred episodes, I feel like you've gotten to this point where you are open to sort of all interpretations of it. And as long as you can get into the headspace of this is who this is for. And at the same time, understanding that this doesn't replace or negate the version that I like. And so that, that kind of opens up your, your, your sort of acceptance to all different takes and versions. And I think, I think a lot of fans you should be open to that kind of mentality because time goes on. Right. And, and if the, the version of Superman that you like is the one right now, it's being published right, right now at DC, the version right now, 10 years from now, it's not going to be that. And like, and you have two options. You can be mad about it or you can st- stick with the thing that you like and not be mad about it, just like anchor to what you like and just that's it. Or you can be open to like experiencing new things, you know? And so, and you can always hang on to the version that is yours, but you can also be like, oh, well, I like, you know, this version too. Like the the George Reeves show versus Zack Snyder Superman are two very different versions of the character, but you can appreciate both and like both for what they are, you know? Beautifully said. I think that open-mindedness is something that 
I have cultivated over doing this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's in terms of like what I hear from people directly, I, I feel like, cause again, look, you go online and you, you never know what you're going to get, but I feel, I mean, I really, I love the audience that we have and I feel like people, we are, it, it has like the, the discussions online, you know, have been respectful and it's like, we do acknowledge mm-hmm. that people come from this. And, and that's the thing, like any project you go into, you're bringing your own baggage, your own expectations. Yeah. I think one of the things that has helped me become more open to everything is, is just you, you, you can see the bigger picture and see where it fits into place. I think it's honestly, I think a test is going to be this new James Gunn movie because mm-hmm. hopefully when they announce the casting and when we start to see photos and trailers and stuff, hopefully it, it looks great and I'm excited for it and yeah. it ends up being what I want it to be. But if it's not, mm-hmm. I mean, we're recording this right in spring 2023, 10 years since Man of Steel. Now, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, is crazy. That's so crazy. I can remember like like the day I saw that movie, I can remember it so clearly in my mind. Same, same. And obviously we've talked at length about how we in, enjoyed that take and enjoyed Henry Cavill. But I realize right like for those who didn't like that mm-hmm. it's been a decade without a different big screen superman thankfully we have tyler hecklin on, yeah. on tv but so there is this part of me that's like well if i don't like what the james gunn cinematic universe ends up becoming that could pretend you know i don't know this could be five years ten years i mean who knows where i'm, I'm locked into this and i don't know how i'll react but but do, do you think you've gotten to this point now where even if it's not your favorite you can still appreciate it for what it is I far more now than before, but like I said, I just, I think this is a little bit of a test because this will be since starting the podcast, essentially. I mean, this is kind of like the first real instance where it's something, I mean, I except Superman and Lois is another example, but where I, you know, I can't see the full picture yet of what its place is going to be. So, well, I mean, you've come around on Superman returns, which is something I've not been able to do. Like I, (laughs) I, that's an instance where that movie, I loved it when I first saw it. And every time I've, watched it since and, and granted I haven't watched it in probably like 15 years so like it's, it's been a long time since I've watched it but like I watched it probably about five or six times total and like each time I watched it was like oh this isn't very good and it got worse and worse each time so like I, I would be interested to go back I mean I kind of don't really want to though <laughs> like I don't really want to go back and watch it but like at the same time I'd be curious to see like how with my sort of now view from the top of the mountain, looking down at everything as opposed to just being, this isn't mine. This is, you know what I mean? Like, like I feel like you're at that point where you're at the top of the mountain. You can see everything and not just your myopic little like tree, you know? Um, which I think like a lot of fans, like I think it'll make you happier as a fan. If you can get to that place where you can be like, it's all valid, it's all cool. And if it doesn't work for me, it's working for someone else, but I still have the version that did work for me, you know? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean like, but say worst case scenario, say this is like the worst version of Superman that you've ever experienced. Like you still have Henry Cavill, you know, like it's just, it's just, yeah. I, you know what? Here's the other, here's the other X factor having this podcast as an outlet, because even if I don't like it, we'll have fun talking about it. True. True. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for what, he's going to do. Cause like you, like you said, it's been 10 years since a solo Superman movie, which historically isn't that long, but like in this, this era that we live in now with superhero movies, it's pretty, pretty long time, you know, to not have a Superman. Like, I mean, we've had since that movie came out, we're on our what? Third Batman. No, second Batman, third Batman. Sec- yeah. Christian Bale to, to Ben Affleck to 
Yeah, but Dark Knight had Dark Knight Rises. Oh, it was right before I think it was twenty twelve. And then yeah, I mean, 20, so, yeah, so you're right. So I mean, in theory, when that movie came out, I remember I thought that it was part of the Dark Knight universe because yeah. it was Christopher Nolan. Like I like me and my friends thought that Christian Bale, like because the Wayne, um, the Wayne satellite is seen in Man of Steel, and it's like the the logo is very similar to the one for the the Wayne tech in the Nolan movie. So like, so yeah, I would say technically it's been three Batman since that movie. And like that, that's pretty nuts, you know? So three Spider-Mans or no, two, two spider sorry, two Spider-Mans, but still more than one Spider-Man, you know, like, um, yeah, it's, I'm excited to see what it is. I, I hope it's really good. I hope it's the best version of Superman we've ever had. I mean, Christopher Reeves is a high bar to, to, to jump, but you know, I don't know. What are your expectations for it? What are you hoping for? I don't know. Do, I, do you have any casting that you want? Is there any, is there someone that you think would be a great Superman? There's not, you know, I don't even know the actor's name, but he was on the second season of white Lotus on HBO, which my wife and I watched. And okay. his name has been thrown about as like, like fans have been suggesting him. And I, I could see it. I think he's, I got the general look. Okay. There, there's no one who immediately comes to mind. I mean, I know they're aiming younger and you know, I mean, I generally, I would go for someone who's, even if not like totally unknown, but lesser known, right? Mm-hmm. For all the reasons that are, are typically yeah, you, like you, know, you don't want Tom Cruise being Superman because he's just too famous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll say this: I because I don't want to sound overly skeptical unnecessarily. I mean, I think in terms of what Gunn has said, right? The idea that it's going to be early days. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he said focusing on his, him as a reporter, or that might just be my own projection. But I hope it does. But uh, not an origin story. Not a full on. Which origin I love. Story. I love that. I, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And. Look, when Gunn announced that he was directing and, and all of that, he talked about, you know, how the movie's coming out on his father's birthday and he lost his father and, you know, sort of, I guess we probably have a sense of what Clark's backstory is going to be in this if, you know, depending on how much inspiration, you know, Gunn draws from from what he's gone through. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, in terms of what what little has been said, I mean, it, it certainly seems like, you know, it, this this could could work out great. I mean, I... I don't know. And I've enjoyed the Guardians movies. So it's it's not like I've looked at his other work and I've been like, oh my God, if he does something like this, with Superman, it won't work. You know, I've, I've enjoyed those other movies. I think it'll have a great soundtrack. I think it'll lean more into That'll the humor. Be cool. I hope they use like real music, like, like real, like musical artist bands and stuff like they do in Guardians of the Galaxy, because like, I love that. I know that that's kind of hot debates. I know some people like the more orchestral sort of cinematic stuff. I think they're both good. Like I, I, but I really like the use of real world music in, in movies and stuff. So if he brings that in, I'll be down with that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, not to speak for you, but I think for, for both of us and probably a lot of fans, it's like, again, it just has been so long since a solo Superman movie. It's like, I just want, I want this fresh. I, you know what? I guess most of my frustration with all of this, and we did a whole Patreon episode on it where I think most of my frustration is just this, again, sort of quasi reboot slash continuation of what's come before. I really think, you know, for Superman, where it seems like we're getting a reboot, but for the cinematic universe overall, well, are they are they around. recasting everybody? Did I hear that? Because I've heard from some of my friends that they're like just hard rebooting everything, like new Batman, new everyone. No, that's what they should be doing, but it's it's all very nebulous at this point. Where you know, Gunn has basically left the door open. I think a lot of this is going to hinge on how well these remaining movies perform. I mean, based on what Shazam Two did at the box office, I feel like that's probably it. But I don't know. Zachary Levi seems to be pals with Peter Safran, who's co-running DC Studios with Gunn. So, you know, maybe Levi Shazam will continue. Jason Momoa seems to think he's playing Aquaman and Lobo. Uh, he's, Wait, he's, really? <laughs> he's, 
he's there. He's. That's, I think they've reined him in a little bit, but okay. he's you know talked about being wanting or being open to at least playing multiple characters. And I guess Lobo is a favorite of his. A lot of the responses have sort of been. Like, he'd, be, he'd be a good Lobo. Like I'm not. I mean, I think it'd be weird for him to like jump, but Lobo, like there's so many prosthetics and stuff that you need. Like he wouldn't really look like yeah. Jason Momoa, you know, he'd have like the white skin with the black eye things and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, look, Justin DeVoe should play Lobo. Like, I mean, what, I agree. what the heck? Like, I agree. I think he looks got- just like him. He's ripped. Like every time I see him at Comic-Con, I'm like, Damn, dude, make me want to like, I feel like bad about my fitness, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know it's very, it's very inspiring. So like uh, if, if they're re if they're hard, did you ever watch the outer banks? No. Oh, it's a pretty good show on Netflix, but there, there's one actor on there. If they ever did reboot everyone, I think he'd be a great Flash. I think the the Flash, the reboot, if if there's going to be a reboot for Flash, I think the actor is on the Outer Banks. Oh, nice. Yeah. What, do you know his name? Um, the character he plays is JJ. I don't know his, the All actor's right. real name. All right, we'll look him up. But yeah, so I mean, I, right now it's been very nebulous. And I, I think it's, it's, I suspect it's because Gunn is planning to keep some of his people, a la folks from his the suicide squad and peacemaker as well as just kind of keeping the door open. You know, if this flash movie makes a billion dollars, unlikely as that might be, but like if this flash movie is off the charts, it's like, well, well then maybe Ezra Miller does stick around. Um, you know, Gal Gadot, that seems to remain a really open question and there's no wonder woman three currently, you know, moving forward. So I, so I don't know, but again, my, my hope and my, my hope was, and my preference would be that it was just a full on reboot. So like just start completely from scratch. I mm-hmm. think this hodgepodge is just setting themselves up for fans frustration and everything. Yeah. Like I just don't think this is the way to go. But. Yeah. Like it's, it's cause narratively it seems so obvious that that's what they should do. Right. Like from like a creative end, but like financially I could see why they're like, you know, like so much money has been invested into like, Black Adam and Shazam and Blue Beetle and Flash that like, I understand why there would be the hesitancy to like, want to do that. Like, because you know, there's a lot like for us, we think these studios have like unlimited amount of money, but you know, it's, it's, they don't, you know, they actually do need to make money and turn profits and a lot of the money that to make these movies is borrowed money that needs to be paid back. So they, you know, they like, you know, a string of flops could bank strip bankrupt a production house or a studio. So like, you know, um, there's always that to consider. Like as fans, we always think like, oh, this is what they should do, you know? And like, and like, I agree with you creatively, narratively, it should just be like a hard reboot for sure. At the same time, I guess this, this is all to say that I think a lot of the frustrations that I have or a lot of the mixed feelings or, you know, I think a lot of it has to do more with just the state of the cinematic universe and like the, the, the direction from a business sense than how I feel about the Superman movie specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I think there's so little that we know about it, but from what we do know, I mean, it sounds promising enough. I, I, I really do like the idea of not doing the origin again because we've gotten that, um, but showing the early days and showing, you know, focusing on the reporter side and all of that. So again, I think in terms of the Superman movie in and of itself, I'm fairly optimistic. I guess mm-hmm. I'm more more conflicted just about the overall plan and direction. Well, how would you feel if it was like the Batman where it's like the Superman movies, just like it's only Superman. It's Superman's the only character in this world. And it's like, these three movies are just Superman. That's it. Like, how'd you feel? Oh, that would be fine. Yeah. I'd be fine. Like I, I, I get the idea of like wanting the characters to come together and have this cinematic universe. But at the same time, the Batman was so good that like, and the Christopher Nolan movies were so good that like part of me is like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'd be okay with like Superman having his own movies and flash having his own movies and green lantern having his own movies. And you know, and maybe if, you know, down the line, they want to all bring those actors together for justice league, that would be cool. But like, 
as a fan at this point, I don't need these movies, every one of them to interconnect with each other. I actually think that's one of the reasons I've kind of fallen out of the Marvel stuff because like they're so interconnected and they feel so much like a television show that like they don't really feel unique to the characters anymore. And they all feel so like the same, like visually, like they all look the same. The costumes all look the same. Like, and so having them in their own worlds, like might allow for that differentiation. I don't, I don't know. No, I'm with you. I think you and I are probably in the minority in terms of not wanting that shared universe. I'm sure there are others out there, but no, I'm with you. I, Here's the thing. If we had seen DC do it really well mm-hmm. on the big screen, then I yeah. would be like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, this just has not for all, you know, all the reasons that have been discussed. It's like this, this has never really come together. And part of me feels like if that's the aim and it's just kind of gumming up the works, it's like, just focus on, again, like the Batman, yeah. like just focus on making each corner as strong as possible. I mean, it's not just DC. Remember the, the, the monster universe they're yeah. trying to make the Godzilla universe. Yeah, the, I remember. I mean, and and the universal model, like the Frank Frankenstein Wolfman stuff. Like I feel like everyone because of Marvel success was trying to do that. And I think everyone's realizing this is really hard. Like, and I don't know. And, and even the most recent Marvel stuff, I haven't been like super jiving with, you know, like I haven't seen any of the Disney plus shows. Cause they just, just haven't like spoken to me like, like what they look like, you know? And I don't know. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm, I, I haven't seen, Thor, Love and Thunder, Multiverse of Madness, Wakanda yeah. Forever. I haven't seen any of them, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm behind. But in any event, we'll see. I actually, as you know, as I said, I've you know mapped this out, and I think that, no joke, uh, we'll see how things shift. But assuming Superman Legacy keeps its July 2025 release date, uh, it will probably be coming out like right as we're going to be hitting episode 200. So, oh, nice, nice. So dude, in a couple nice. years, we'll, we'll be here. We'll be talking about it, and hopefully, it's a really positive conversation. Yeah, yeah. But you know, either way, it'll it'll be fun to talk about. So I know that Steelworks miniseries, you know, Superboy Man of Tomorrow. I know you're looking forward to catching up on Superman and Lois. We're you know maybe fair to say cautiously optimistic about Superman legacy. Like we're open-minded. We'll see where it goes. What else are you? Oh, I'm, I'm optimistic about the movie. I'm super optimistic okay. about it. Like I'm like in, until like if, if something comes out and it looks terrible, then like I'll probably won't be as optimistic, but like right now I'm, I'm psyched. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more cautious, but you're, <laughs> yeah. what is there anything else that you're just kind of excited about Superman wise at the moment? Um, I mean, I think you kind of like hit everything. Um, yeah, I mean, you covered comics, covered the shows, covered the movie. Like, it's—is there anything else besides like the toys? I guess the action figures, which we've got. Like for anyone who sends Anthony stuff, he's got a very nice <laughs> setup here that I'm not sure you can see it, but it's—it's a—he's uh, got like a very like museum esque layout. So anything that you send him is has <laughs> got a very nice spot. It's got a very very cool. Yeah, I went with displayed. these. I went with these open shelves, and I can really I can get everything on here, and I can see them. And uh, yeah, I'm not fishing for more gifts, but I'm just <laughs> saying, yeah. To Ken's point, if you do send something, there's <laughs> there's a spot for it. The current comics have been really good. Yeah, I, I, I'm so far behind in comics. Are you talking about the 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 new new or the the Jonathan Kent the all so Josh Williamson on Superman. Um, I haven't read yet the Tom Taylor Adventures of Superman John Kent series. I read mm-hmm. Son of Kal El, but now there's a new mini series where the, he has the electric powers and stuff. I haven't the, read that yet. The Joshua Williams, the new number one that yep. came out already, right? Yeah, because that looked really the art looked really great in that. And Josh Williamson's a great writer, so I was really excited about that. You know, and then what Philip Kennedy Johnson's been doing on action. I I, I think this the current titles are are in a good spot right now. But yeah, actually, I actually wanted to ask you, especially as an artist. So Superman number one by Josh Williamson and. Mm. Oh, I'm blanking on the artist Jamal Campbell. Maybe I want to say I apologize if I've if I've 
mix them I, up. I, I'm not sure because I haven't read it. So I just saw the preview pages and I was like, really, I thought it was striking art. Yeah. So I, our mutual friend, uh, uh, Sean Hendricks from Fat Moose Comics, he, he gave me a copy of issue number one when it came out, which is great. So a print copy. Nice. And I read it and I enjoyed it. But I'm looking at just, this is not about the art itself, but just about the paper quality and the presentation. I'm like, oh, like, you know, it, it looks okay because now I've been reading so much digitally, mm-hmm. right? And now in the time since, uh, it's popped up on DC Universe Ultra. And so I'm looking at those pages on the iPad and it just visually, it's just so much more stunning. It just pops. I, I don't know if it's just a paper quality thing or what, but I don't feel like, and I'm curious. I, I think it's a coloring thing because like all colorists color digitally. And so the purest version of what they're coloring is on the computer. Yeah. Gotcha. So when, when it's printed, you know, the printer levels or whatever could be off. I know like Andrew has talked about me about that. Like he's like, would complain that sometimes th- things print too dark or too muddy, you know? Yeah. Oh, intro. Okay. Cause I was really just talking it up to the paper quality. Maybe that has something I mean, that, to do with it. That, that's that. I mean that it's the paper quality combined with, I think the printer settings is what gets the muddy kind of look. And I, maybe I'm more sensitive to this because of our friendship and knowing, you know, being more <laughs> dialed into the art because I, again, especially comparing that I'm like, man, the, and I'm not trying to talk people out of buying the print book, but it was just that I, I don't feel like it did the art because it's gorgeous art. And I'm mm, yeah. looking at it on the iPad page. I'm like, oh man, like this just jumps out in a way that it didn't. Um, but and yeah. in any event, the, 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 the books right now I think are, are really good. I think I'm, you know, I'm excited about that. Superman and Lois has been amazing. We'll see about the new movie. Uh, and then you know, just kind of looking back at everything. And did, yeah. did you, did you read the Philip Kenny Johnson one where he's like a, like a, like war world? Yes. Yeah. That looked really cool. That yeah. looked, that design looked cool. And like, I've, I actually knew Philip years ago. Like I met him at a, a creator connect thing in New York comic con like 2012. So that was like when he, when he popped on that, I was like, Oh, this is like cool to see. Like, you know, yeah, it was pretty cool. I know it, it, it it's, it's been, it's been, it's been really good. And again, as far as, like I like sorry to go back wow. to that, but I love that idea though. Like that's what I was talking about. Like that's like a new take for Superman, right? Where he's like a bar, like fighting in a barbarian world. That's like a like and it's action based. Like that's kind of what I was talking about about before of like adding adding to the legacy, not just retreading stuff that's already been done. You know? Yeah, it was a great story, and it was really this. I always, I kept coming back to the word spiritual, but like it was really this. Like he was trying to inspire the people subjugated people to fight it was again talking about different kinds of challenges but the physical mm-hmm. component was there yeah, but yeah. you also had this he's separated from his home and his family mm-hmm. he's trying to you know inspire these people it was really good and then as far as you know remaining gaps it's like at this point again the krypton tv show that's something relatively recent we'll be we'll be filling that gap in you know the the crisis till death period right that that had been a really big gap in my comics reading and we closed that and I mean, essentially now, for the most part, I've read the entire modern era of Superman from, That's so from Crisis crazy. Forward. The new Krypton stuff that Jeff Johns set up and, and then he left, but the other writers carried it forward. Uh, I've not gone through all of that, but we'll be hitting that at the end of this year as well. So that, I know, I'm a little, but yeah. well, well, I, I was so excited for that. That's when I was at my, my peak of comic book buying and reading when I was like buying going to the store every week, going to Midtown Comics every week. That was during when I was in college and like or right after college, like in that in that range somewhere. And like, I just remember being so excited for that. And then Superman's like not in like most of it. Like that's like the disappointing part is that it's like Nightwing and Flamebird and not, not Dick Grayson Nightwing, like John, I think John Kent, not, but not his son, oh, John Kent. Kent, Chris Kent, Chris, Chris yep. Kent. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's who, I think that's who Nightwing is. But yeah, that John's and Donner had introduced in their last yeah. sonar. I gotcha. Yeah. But well, but so essentially like now I've read the entire modern era, the, uh, you know, pre-crisis, 
to your point about the comics, it's like I've only scratched the surface, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I've read a selection from each era and I've read a lot of the key stories, but there's just, you know, you're talking almost 50 years of, of issues. I feel like that's also like, that's a lot to go. That, that That's a lot to ask to like ask you to read like Silver Age Superman. Cause it's like, it's, it's not meant for adults to read like straight up. It's like, it's meant for like 10 year olds in 1960, like one or whatever. You know what I mean? And like, that's, I feel like there's very little you're going to gleam from those books, you know, at, at the same time, I mean, that was one of the things that I, like I, for the reading, the pre-crisis reading that I did do, I went in definitely with the mindset of like, Hey, this is an interesting relic. It has historical significance. I'm probably not going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say for the most part, I really did enjoy them. You know, really like yeah. him getting his head turned into a lion and stuff like that. Like, that I mean, was... I, I didn't do that one. So, oh. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> okay. the thing. I think a lot of, I, I think I did try to curate, you know, some of the okay. best of the era. So that gotcha. might've skewed my perspective. And certainly the sensibilities are different, no mm-hmm. doubt. And yes, meant for a younger audience and you know, they could be clunky and they can be hokey, but Again, I really thought this was going to be more of an academic exercise. Like, hey, you're not really going to enjoy this, but you just kind of want to see where these things come from. But I mm. find I found myself enjoying them more than I thought. So I, I think definitely mining more of the pre-crisis era is in the cards. And then the radio show, I mean, that still remains I mean, thousands of those episodes, and I've only listened to a few. I don't know how much I'll end up doing, but, you know, that's still a gap. The, the old newspaper strips, I mean, I barely, you know, looked at any of those. Yeah. but. Again, it's as we've moved forward here. There's there's far less left that um you know that I've that I've I've not that I've not you know dug into. So it's cool. been it's been it's been a ton of fun. So one of the newest things that we looked at was this Man and Superman mm, uh, yeah. story. Uh, Marv Wolfman, uh, Claudio Castellini. So this one, Wolfman talked about this. I don't know if this was included in that hundred page spectacular, but they subsequently did a deluxe edition, and I read that one on DC Universe Ultra. And Wolfman wrote a whole introduction, and then there was all this you know, supplementary material too. But essentially this was going to be a four part arc in Superman confidential. Do you remember that ongoing? I series? do. That's the one that Tim sale and um, yes. Darwin cook did, right? Yeah. They did yeah. that initial arc on kryptonite and yeah. the, the whole gist of that series was that it's story set in the early days of Superman. Okay. Cause I actually really loved that. I think it was Tim sale who did drew it, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I loved that arc. Yeah. I was so excited. I, I was thinking like it was a number one issue. It was going to be worth a ton of money. I was like, I'm going to, this is going to be my series on. And then they just kind of like went away and I was like, bummer. Yeah. I mean, I think it only made it to issue, I don't know, 15 or something like that. Like it just didn't last. And it was rotating creative teams. Yeah. But after that initial arc, I don't know. And not, you know, this is not a knock on the creators who followed, but you know, I mean, Darwin Cook and Tim Sale, like those are two, you yeah. know, heavy hitters. And I, I just, for whatever reason, it didn't seem to you know, to really sustain. But in any event, this was going to be four issues of that, but then the series got canceled and this thing just got put on the shelf for years. Mm-hmm. And then finally DC wanted to, you know, dust it off and they put it out in this special and then later in a deluxe edition hardcover. But, you know, as we were saying, it's it's Clark's early days. He's just moved to Metropolis. He has the costume in his suitcase, but he, he hasn't become Superman yet. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get a job at the Daily Planet. It's very hard to get his foot in the door. He, you know, like we said, he takes this job as, as a janitor. Uh, you know, he first meets Lois Lane. We have terrorists who are targeting Metropolis and demanding, you know, billions of dollars. And the mayor is imposing martial law. And we have a DA uh, election going on in the background and, and all of this. Uh, this was the first time I had read it. I had heard great things about it when it came out a couple of years ago, but I hadn't, I hadn't read it. It was the first time for you too. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it, it was, it was interesting. I mean, I, I do think that, uh, like I said, the art Claudio Castellini, you said was the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, the art, he was clearly working his like butt off drawing this. Like there's so much background. There's so much crowd shots. There's all, like a real focus. It's like not really like 
I mean, he never wears the costume, which was kind of a bummer a little bit, but like so much of the focus is the city itself. And like, like there's double page spreads of like the city and like, that's like days of work, you know? So like I could tell he was just working his like butt off drawing this, but, um, but yeah, like I, I was a little disappointed. They never wore the costume. And like, I was a little confused as to time period too. Like, cause like it felt like it was supposed to be modern, but then like he's using a typewriter, like a straight up typewriter. Like there was things like that where like that was like this weird jump for me. And then the inclusion of Lex Luthor, I thought was a little disappointing. Like I thought that like once he showed up, I was like, oh, I know exactly where this is going. He's staging like, and it just, it felt like a retread of birthright in a lot of ways. Like the macro story felt like a retread of birthright, which is also in the cartoon show. Like it was, it was a story that like, Lex Luthor stages like a terrorist attack so that he can be the one to save it. Like, I just felt like that was a very like, eh, but the, the story of him getting a job at daily Planet I thought was very interesting because that's something we always talked about is like, how does he do this? This is like a very difficult thing to do. And like, I like that it showed that it was hard for him to get a job at daily Planet. It wasn't just like, you got gumption kid. I'll hire you. Like it was like, actually like he was working as a janitor and then he, you know, and he's like trying to like get credit as a writer. Like I thought all that stuff was awesome. You know? No, I'm with you. And that was the best part. I, I had, I think you and I probably had the same reaction when Lex showed up and it's just like, oh, okay. Cause you know, as you, as we're reading this right there, are these flying machines that are, you know, causing, uh, you know, destruction in Metropolis and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these, you know, these messages, the city's being extorted for $5 billion or these attacks will continue. There are these bombings. It, it, it had a golden age feel to it a little bit where like he wasn't dealing with super villains. Right. And then once Lex shows up, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. And as, as it's going along, I like it, it held my interest. Cause I said, oh, okay, what, what is the payoff going to be here? Who is going to be behind this? And I mean, yeah. I guess I should have assumed Lex, but I, I thought like, okay, maybe we're going <laughs> a, a different direction, a different direction here. And then Lex shows up and exactly like he was like, Oh, okay. So they do this whole setup where like, like Perry has Lois going to the airport and everyone's like, Oh, I can't believe it's him. It's been 10 years since he's been here. And, I'm, and at first I thought, Oh shit, they're bringing Bruce Wayne into this because they said Lois dated this guy. Like there was, and I was like, I genuinely thought it was going to be Bruce Wayne and they were going to somehow like tie him into it and like be this antagonistic sort of like, and, and then it just was, it was lax. And I was like, and then from there I just, I knew exactly where the story was going. And I was like, uh, okay. I, again, I, we had very similar experience. I was thinking the same thing because as you're reading it, Lex is obvious. Lex is so obvious that you figure, well, they wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. So much of any story, right. And I, I'm not, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's like, is about reversing the audience's expectations. Right. So you have all this buildup about everyone, everyone above, who's it going to be? He's, you know, he's coming back. It's been 10 years. So it's like, yeah, of course you assume it's going to be Lex. So, well, okay. How do you reverse the audience's expectation? Bruce Wayne, I think would fit in perfectly there. Right. Yeah. Cause he too has this, you know, journey around the world and, and yeah. everything. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like this will be the twist. And then it's just exactly what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. And and even factoring in that the story was written over 10 years ago, even then, I mean, it was yeah. <laughs> it would have been obvious. So, yeah, I, that was kind of curious to me. It, it didn't ruin the story. I think overall, just the the theme and just the setting of Clark overwhelmed mm-hmm. by this big city. I think that works. I think, you know, some of what's kind of layered around it, you know, I, I don't know how like, much you get out of it. I, I did kind of like they never wore the co- like part of me was like if I was buying this back in 2008 when I was in college and money was tight and he never wore the costume, it probably would have been a little disappointed. But I did like that it was a story with him not in the costume. Caveat though, like, cause he has like an, in, he has this interim costume before he becomes Superman, like very, very akin to like the red jacket of Smallville, like the same idea, but it's not like at first it's like, he's just like a long sleeve black t-shirt and jeans and that's like his stealth suit. And that's like, whatever, that's fine. 
And then at one point he puts like a bandana around his face, which is, that's kind of cool too. But then the, the weirdest choice, which I thought was, and this proceeds for like the second two issues, the second two chapters is when he does his super activities, he's wearing his Clark Kent like suit, like his three piece suit, the tie and everything. But he puts a stocking over his head. Like, like he looks like a serial killer. Like it's very weird. <laughs> I'm just like, why, what, like, what was the thinking behind that? You know? Yeah. That, that took me out of it too. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was kind of odd. I, I guess I also. Like again, he literally looks like a bank robber. Cause he's wearing like, the tie with like the stocking. Like it looked like from point break, like the bank robbers. It was just so weird. But. At one point it looked like a plastic bag. Yeah, over his yeah. head. I, <laughs> it was a little odd. And also I guess if it had really leaned more into him, investigating as a journalist but a lot of it is just him using his super hearing <laughs> like he just like he yeah, eavesdrop okay. on lex he eavesdrops on lex and then he goes to lois and he like fills her in on all this yeah. stuff and it's like all right i mean well l- let me ask you this okay because i had this realization reading this story is that i don't like superman having omnipotent hearing and omnipotent x-ray vision i really don't i think it's those are powers that like he doesn't need because he has such a he has such a like he's he's a Swiss Army knife of powers right and like I love how Smallville handled the X ray vision where it was like an X ray that he was like literally seeing like in front of him like in this he's like seeing miles like he's like he's like he's in Metropolis watching Pete and Lana at a dance it's like what like I and and then like the hearing when like he's hearing everyone like I feel like it makes him too godlike and I just I don't like that like I for me like. In my heart of hearts, if I was creating the version of Superman that for me is like his super hearing is something that he has to like really like use, like 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 a muscle kind of like, you know what I mean? Like he has to like, it's not just like going all the time. And the same thing with the x-ray vision, like for it should be like hard for him to use it, not like, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get that. It's I mean, it's weird because I'm mean, just using Superman and Lois as just a very recent example. You know, it, that show as much as it's primarily set in Smallville and we get a lot in Metropolis, there's really kind of like a global aspect to it where, you know, he'll hear of a disaster, right, on the other side of the world and he'll go off. And I guess we've grown accustomed to that. But, and it's the sort of thing where it just sort of, he's trained himself to the point where he's able to hear everything and he can tune it out. But certain, you know, uh, disturbances in the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the wavelengths or whatever get his attention. But but I agree. I I, I like the idea of kind of scaling that, down a little way bit. down you yeah. know superman the animated series or perfect or adventures of superman it's like a, a more he's he's still got a ton of power it's just yeah. a, more, a little more modest power yeah, set. and like i this might people might not like this either but like i actually don't like superman as like a global character like like i i don't like the fact that he can hear like a wire snap halfway across the world and like he like like to me that makes him i don't want to say less relatable but it makes his struggles less like 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 like, like honestly, the, the, the fact where people say he's unrelatable, I think has less to do with him being strong and more with this like omnipotent, like ability that he has, right. Like to like hear and see everything that's happening all at once. Like, I feel like that's like a level of craziness of like ability that like, I, I don't think he needs. Like, I think that is a, one of the reasons it's so hard to write Superman stories. Like if you just pulled him back, just like into he's strong and he can fly and he can shoot lasers out of his eyes. Like, I think that's enough, you know? Yeah, no, I I hear you. I do hear you with that. But yeah, the whole, you know, proto costume that he's using and and his use of powers. There's some stuff that I think was was a nice touch, like when he's investigating the bombing of the of the courthouse and he's, you know, 
handling one of the you know devices and then he you know throws it over to the police and he realizes his fingerprints are that on was it. cool yeah you know it's like oh man like i really messed up like you know it shows those early you know those early failings and things like that and even just showing up at the apartment that you know he had read the description of you know on, yeah. online and of course yeah. it's v- 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 much worse than than advertised and he's yeah. stuck in this you know dump essentially so, so i didn't realize this book was from 10 years ago i thought this was written now so that's my my fault but like there's this whole sequence at the beginning where he's like going around asking people where this address is and everyone's kind of like brushing him off. And in my head as a New Yorker, I'm like, <laughs> dude, why do you think anybody's going to tell you that? Like, like if someone comes up to like, 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 I don't know. Like, I feel like that's like, just Google it. Like you, this isn't like rocket science. You don't need some like lady trying to get you to sign up for like the, the, um, what was it like environmental or water supply or something like yeah, there's yeah. someone or a voting, voting. thing, Vo- voting. Yeah. There's a lady asking him to sign up to register to vote. And he's like, well, I'm, I don't live here yet, but uh, do you think you could tell me? And she like starts to just ignores him. It's like, yeah, that's what people do in the city. Like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I, I don't know what, like, I, like I thought that was a little over the top. It's like, they're going out of their way to make him look like a bumpkin. And it's like, I don't love that. I, you know, it was maybe a little bit of a, of a heavy touch on that, but I didn't mind that because again, it, you know, it definitely shows he's this fish out of water and it's just wildly different from the small town he comes from, right? Where anyone would happily, you know, but, give but him is directions. that true though? Is that true? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think it's true. <laughs> I, I feel like if you went to a small town and were asking people like weird questions, like they'd be, they'd be like, I feel like they'd be like a little apprehensive. Well, it depends if we're talking like uh Candace's dad on Superman and Lois, if you yeah. showed up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if I tell you to go take a hike. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is, you know, maybe that's an assumption that we're all making, but you know, the, again, the fact that no one will give him directions, you know, he's hearing everything all the time in the city and mm-hmm. especially as they start to talk about him, right? Cause now there, there are reports and photos of this flying man, yeah. this unidentified flying man and, and all of that. I, I did like when, you know, he's, and we, but again, like, I, I don't mean to dump on the story, but it's like, we've seen shades of this before. Birthright is a good example where- Birthright's perfect, like how they handle this, I think. Because it's like, you know, there's a lot of doubt about, you know, a lot of people think he's he's part of this terrorist group, right? And Lois is the one mm-hmm. who believes in him and and stands up, you know, to, to parry on this, on this note and everything. And, it, you know, Clark's at a pretty low point and seemingly ready to kind of give it all. But he even ships the costume back to Smallville uh, mm-hmm. at a certain point. But Lois's belief in this flying man that he's actually here to help galvanizes him and, and, and you know, encourages him to stick around. And so, uh, you know, I, I like that. At the same time, yeah, we've seen- you know, we've seen this before. I don't know how much new it, it really has to add on that front. But Like, that's a curious thing, though, with Lois, because, like, why, like, because of the pains they went through in this in this particular story to try to be, like, real, why on earth would Lois think that he's, like, there to help? Like, like it's, 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 it's a level of, like, we're just going to shoehorn this, like, I don't know. Like, it, it didn't track with the rest of it to me, you know? Like, like this, this level of realism. Well, I, I guess it's not really realism because he was using a typewriter. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a bad, maybe that's a bad thought. No, I, was I, I guess what we, I guess the two, I think two things maybe we can chalk this up to. One is that there is at least one instance where, you know, the building is, because LexCorp, you know, headquarters is yes, destroyed at one it's point. Yes, blown up, yeah. And like as beams are falling, you know, he's, he's trying to catch them, but yeah. people think he's destroying the building and she's able to kind of recognize what's actually going on. So that's number one. But I think the other thing too, I think there's probably just this component of Lois, not that she's just a contrarian, but there's probably this part of her, like everyone is so quick to jump on this idea that this guy is up to no good. 
and maybe it's just like this natural skepticism. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what if he's not? And and I don't know, maybe if yeah. everyone in the city were quick to be like, oh, he's our savior, she would be the one to be like, well, we need to. <laughs> you know, Probably to- because that's what she is with Lex. Yeah. Like, right. So it's the flip with Lex where like everyone's like, yeah, Lex is the greatest. And she's like, no, he's not. Yeah. So I think it's just that wanting to ask questions, not, not assume. That, and that's not- a good, okay. You know what? You've, you've, you switched me around. That's a good, uh, it's <laughs> a good explanation for did sure. Did you, as far as the designs of Lois and Lex and Clark, I guess in particular, did you, I don't know. Any, they were all that- very classic looking to me. Like they just, they felt it, it makes sense that you said it was drawn 10 years ago now because like it, it did feel very like old school. And even for then, to be honest, like it didn't really feel like modern, like, cause he, he must be an older artist. I'm not super familiar with him, so I'm not sure, but it, it felt very like, um, like Jose Garcia Lopez, like in that vein, you know, it was very classic looking like Neil Adams ish. I, I will say the, the only real thing that I, I guess I didn't love about this was <laughs> tell me what you think. I feel like Ma and Pa were a little bit yeah, they're, too gung ho about all of this and overbearing about him becoming Superman. Yeah, yeah, right. I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought that was that was definitely the the part of it. Like, I, I mean, I'm so conditioned from Smallville that any sort of deviation from that to me doesn't feel, ring true. Like the idea of like his dad like pushing him into becoming Superman. And it's like, Oh, we do what we do. Clark, you know, like it'll be hard, but you know what? That's them's the breaks, you know, like, it's like, it doesn't really feel right to me. Like, I feel like like John Schneider's version of Pa Kent is like, to me, that's it. You know, that's the thing. And look, we, you know, we don't even have to get into the, the Kevin Costner take, which I know people are, are a lot more divided on, but you know, a lot of people seem to, you know, seem to be on board with again, the Smallville version. And I, and I agree with you. And that's always what I have in my head. And it's like, it's there's always this sort of this caution, right? That you know they they're instilling these values in him, but it's still all couched in terms of you know we, we have to be careful. And this version, it just felt. And look, we were only getting glimpses, right? As, mm-hmm. as Clark was remembering, but it just sort of felt like you know Ma's making the costume and Pa's being like, you know, oh Clark, think of all the things you can do. You can irrigate, you know, yeah. this dry land, <laughs> yeah. blah blah blah, and it it just and, and his mom's like, you gotta keep your life separate so that you'll have time to rest. And he's and Pa's like, he doesn't need that. Like it's just it, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It just felt like and look, maybe there there were more memories we just didn't see where Clark was generating a lot of this, but it just felt like from what we saw, it felt like they were really thrusting this on him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just felt like I mean, number one you want your character to be the one driving it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it it took a little bit away from Clark and it's also just for me. And and I think you as well, like just kind of an unwelcome departure from the typical dynamic where it's like, you know, I want to help. What do I do? And like them helping him is fine. Right. Yeah. She makes him the costume. They help him craft the character of Clark, but it was just, it seemed to be coming too much from them. I think it was weird. And like, they even bring it up in this, in this book that I think it's weird that his mom, makes the Superman costume. I've never been on board with that. And I think it's like weird that like she comes up with a design and it's, and what it is is weird. Like if you think about objectively, like you're putting your kid in the skin tight suit with the underwear on the outside, it's, it's, it's it's weird. Like, and like, I think birthright did it the best where it was like, she makes the costume, but she makes it based off of what Kryptonians are wearing that she sees in those pictures. So it's like this, this heritage. It's like, it's like, like a, like a, a heritage kind of like I'm embracing my culture and like wearing it now. Like, so like, like, um, I'm trying to think of like a real world example of that. Like, um, 
some kind of like tribal or something. Yeah, like like it, like Norway, like in Norway, people that wear the traditional Norway clothing for events, or like um, uh, what's another good example? Like like in Japan, like people with like like samurai garb and stuff, like like stuff like that. Like so, it became like you, you're bringing your culture with you, and it becomes a representation of your Kryptonian culture. I think that makes so much more sense than be like, oh, it's a romper suit, you know? Like I, it's just it's weird. Like why would he wear it? Why on earth would anybody wear that if it wasn't? like a cultural, you know what I mean? Like in, in this day and age, you know, it's funny. I, I just wrote and I suspect it will be out by the time people hear this. I'm not positive, but it should be for 13th dimension to coincide with the 85th anniversary of Superman. I wrote an article building the perfect Superman origin, 13 questions for the reader. Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, especially now having studied how the origin has evolved, there are all these little beats that we've seen different spins on over the years. And, you know, again, should, Superman be born on Krypton or come via birthing matrix and be born on earth a la in the John Byrne revamp stuff like that. Who makes the costume, you know, is Lois in on the secret from the start, like in man of steel and and Smallville or she Mm -hmm. duped all that stuff. And one of them is who makes the costume. And there's, and again, ultimately the questions are posed to the reader. So I'll be curious what, what everyone, where everyone lands, but it's like, there's a lot of charm, I think in the whole, you know, thanks, my mom made it moment. But yes, realistically, it makes far more sense for all the reasons that you just laid out that it would come from, and look, whether it's Superman, I mean, I guess the movies are the big, biggest example of this with Superman, the movie and Man of Steel. It's like, it's bestowed to yeah. him. It know, becomes like mythic almost like, like Excalibur kind of, you know, like it becomes this like, like, I think it, 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 it it means something more if it comes from Krypton and it's bestowed to him to me. Otherwise it's just like this like colorful costume that your mom made for you. Like it's like, which I, I, I do get the, the charm of it. Like, thanks. So like I, I do get that, but that also kind of like, like kind of like infantilizes Superman a little bit. And like, I think that's like odd, you know? Mm. Oh, fair enough. Was there anything else about man and Superman that you, that either you liked or didn't work for you or that you wanted to talk about? I mean, I liked all the, the reporter stuff, all the, all like just seeing him get the job and being friends with the janitors and going to the baseball game and stuff. And like, I, I, thought, I thought all that was fun. I thought like all the like little deeds he was doing for people, like was cool. Like to see like, like the bugging the ball for the kid, for the guy to give to his kid and like knocking the two, the, the passengers out of the way from getting hit by the bus, like using a super breath to push them out of the way. Like I thought all that stuff was really cool. Yeah, or even when he first gets to Metropolis and there, you know, there's that card game on the street, yes, right? Those yeah, hustlers yeah, yeah. in there, right? And he uses yeah. his x-ray vision and he gets the guy his money back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think overall, and look, this was again intended to be this four-part story repackaged as this 100 page spectacular. I mean, I, I don't know that this rises to the level of, but I also don't think it was necessarily meant to be the kind of definitive origin story, a la, you know, Secret Origin or Birthright or, yeah. or Man of Steel or something like that. I think yeah. And I think for what it aimed to do, really, really kind of exploring this angle of this farm boy in like the big city, the feeling job? very overwhelmed and how yeah. does he get the job? I think it works. I think yeah, it works totally. nicely in, totally. in that respect. And yeah, I mean, like he goes to a couple different newspapers, right? And one of them, you know, they're talking about the credits that he has, you know, writing about like, you know, mad cow disease for the yeah, small yeah, the ledger yeah. or whatever. And, you know, they want him to rewrite it in a more, you know, news a, it up grabby yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even at the daily planet, right? Like he's trying to get in to see Perry white and, uh, you know, the, the receptionist is like, you know, HR interviews. He's like, yeah, but I keep sending my resume. They send they, they don't have it. And he tries to get Perry's attention. Oh my Perry God, dude. Off. I thought that was so relatable trying to break into comics. Like I found that, <laughs> that side of it's so relatable where it's like, well, I keep sending my stuff in and no one, they just keeps losing it. And 
Yeah. And then like you try to talk to someone that can actually make a difference. Like I got no time for you, kid. You know what I mean? That's like, that's like the plight of every artist trying to break into comics. <laughs> yeah. That felt, you know, that felt true to life. And yeah. No, I know you and I talk about that all the time. So I really did appreciate that aspect of it. It's like yeah. getting a job at that caliber of a paper. Yeah. I, I thought that was awesome to see that. Like, cause that was really fun. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish he had a couple shots in the suit at least. Like he had not, there was like not a single shot of him wearing the costume in this whole thing, which is kind of crazy that like they didn't do that even at the end, you know, because even like um, Daredevil, uh, the, the John Romita Jr. Frank Miller one, the origin story. Oh, the man without fear. Man without fear, Yeah. That's like famous for him never wearing the costume, except the last double page spread is like a double page spread of him in the suit. Like they could have done something like that at least, you know. It's like even Smallville, though it was yeah, right? CGI yeah. and endlessly frustrating. It's like at least yeah. <laughs> they show you the shirt rip. They did have that one point where the mom holds the costume up. She like holds it up, and Clark is sitting behind it, so it looks like he's wearing. You see, yeah. you see like his head with the S. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I the you know actually one other thing that I did think was a cool touch was when Superman confronts Lex, and again uh, you're only seeing it from Superman's POV. That right? was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was cool. And this whole thing about like, I'm going to watch you 24 seven. It, there, it was, it was intense. And, and you think about, you know, what Lex's reaction to this would be and how that would really further fuel the animosity between them and, and just kind of how, I mean, for lack of a better word, scary, something like that would be where yeah. someone with these abilities is, is going to just be constantly watching and listening. Yeah. I, I like when he goes to shoot him with a gun and you see the, the bullets, like the casings, like, bouncing off Superman. Like that was pretty cool. Yeah. No, it was, I'm glad. I'm really glad I, I read it. I hope, I hope you feel the same. No, it was fun. Yeah, for you sure. Know, it was, it was, again, I had been meaning to read it for a while and I thought it would help when, round out our discussion. here. When did it, when was it published? What year? I, I want to say, you know, it's, you know, it's funny because in my head I'm like, Oh, it was a couple years ago, but it probably was like four or five years ago at this point. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, let's see if, if we can, uh, if we can pull this up, but, but yeah, I thought that this would kind of round out our, our discussion nicely, especially on this podcast where we talk so much about how he gets the job being a reporter. Yeah. I thought that it was funny when I started reading it, I was like, Oh my God, this is like what we talk about all the time. This is like the story that we've always needed. Yeah. 2019. Okay. Yeah. So that was four years ago. Damn dude. 2019 to me still feels like last year. Yes. Yeah. It's so crazy how fast time is going. I know it's crazy. So we've recently passed the two hour mark. Oh my God. Oh my God. Talk about time going fast. But I'm glad it didn't feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> There's uh, it's funny because at this point we, we, as you, you know, I mean, these episodes average this, I mean, that's uh, almost never that we're under an hour and a half and usually it's in between an hour and a half and two hours and sometimes a little bit more. It's weird because I feel like, I, I feel like if, I, I wonder if I put out an hour long episode, if, if it would like, not feel like the podcast, it feels short. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But kind of on that, on that note, I want to give a, a couple of teases about what's to come. So after episode 100, we have eight mostly standalone episodes. They're kind of thematically linked in certain respects, but they're not, it's not a huge event. So I had teased a few of these earlier, but coming up actually next week, we're going to talk about Superman Space Age by Mark Russell and Mike Allred. I'm really excited for that. Very cool. Uh, other upcoming episodes, I'd mentioned Tom King, uh, Up in the Sky and Woman of Tomorrow. That Stephen T. Siegel, uh, It's a Bird, uh, original graphic novel. Uh, Superman's Secret Identity, the Kurt Busiek, uh, Stuart Immonen miniseries, mm -hmm. uh, which I have not gone back to in many years. So those four, uh, I think, form a nice a nice quartet of, of these stories that we'll be taking a look at. 
After that, we have a couple of Mark Wade-centric episodes. We'll be looking at the first year of his current World's Finest book, and then we'll also be going back and looking at his JLA run. So I'm excited for, for that. Oh, and, JLA, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we were texting about this, but they finally announced the long-awaited follow-up to Birthright. Okay, is it actually a sequel to Birthright? Because the article you sent me didn't mention Birthright It depends at all. who you ask. So essentially... <laughs> Uh, you know, when I had Mark Wade on the podcast, now we recorded that in February, 2021 mm-hmm. and I can share now. He was like, he swore me to secrecy off mic, but he was like, we're going to do a sequel to, to birthright. Um, in one of those interviews, uh, I think the one on comic speed that I sent you, I can't remember, but with some interview, he talked about how, uh, I don't know if he used this term specifically, but kind of like a spiritual follow-up. And like, if you know the story of birthright, you kind of know this version of Clark and Lex. Okay. So I think it's kind of in a spiritual sense, a follow-up less so than literally yeah. birthright Two. Gotcha. Okay. But in any event, I'm very excited for that. Uh, and then the, a couple episodes after that, we'll be looking at the Fleischer cartoons because they're coming out on a brand new remastered Blu-ray. Nice. So we'll be talking about that. And then of course the flash movie. And then after that, our big blockbuster summer event now, patrons know about this. I gave patrons an advance uh, an advanced look at this, but Red Skies, our big multi-part look at all of the DC crisis level events. Oh, shit. So what, what crisis are you, are you? All of them, baby. Right. I mean, essentially all of them. So so let me, so you got Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? <laughs> then Identity Crisis? Zero Hour. Oh, zero, okay, Zero Hour. Yep, Identity Crisis. Then Identity Crisis, then Infinite Crisis? Yep. Flashpoint? Final Crisis. Before oh, that. Final Crisis. I forgot about Final Yeah, Final Crisis. Then Flashpoint. Then... The the Metal Events. Okay. Oh, the, the Metal and Dark... Metal and Heavy Metal. Death Metal. Oh, Metal, metal and, and Death, death metal. metal. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock. So that's 10. And 10. Dark Crisis on uh, on Infinite Earths. The most recent 11. One. You got 11. Yeah. And wow, is that going to be 11 different episodes? It's going to be all told. We're talking like 14, 15, because there's... We'll, we'll, we'll hit 52. Which okay. I came, it was the aftermath to infinite crisis and, uh, oh, yeah. 50. Yeah. 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 It's funny how the new 52 has supplanted sort of that in my head. When, when I say 52, I think new 52, but then yeah. I forget there was that series. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even for infinite crisis, we'll have an episode that's kind of on all the build up to it. And then one on infinite crisis itself. So there's, there's a do, lot. Do you remember countdown? It was oh, the weekly yeah. series that went into Final Crisis. Do you remember that? Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about the countdown special before Infinite Crisis. I do remember the weekly one. Yeah. Yeah. Not fondly, I had <laughs> to say. But <laughs> I actually didn't read the whole. I, I I didn't read the whole thing, so um, I don't really have much of an opinion on it. Did but. you read Final Crisis? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I I I remember liking it at the time, but being also very confused at the same time. We, you know, I did an episode on it a little while ago. We looked at Rock of Ages and Final Crisis. Yeah, you were talking about that. The, the Morrison stuff. I remember listening to that, yeah. And I came around on Final Crisis a lot. I still don't love Superman Beyond or the final issue of Final Crisis. I, like my preferred version of Final Crisis stops at issue six and doesn't have Superman Beyond in the middle. Mm. But as far as always kind of keeping an open mind and all of that, we'll, we'll see. I'm excited to to go back. So of course, we'll be looking in particular at Superman's role in all of these events. But mm-hmm. uh you know, I've, I was going to say, I've read all of these events before. I mean, I haven't, I've never read any of the metal stuff essentially. And I haven't read dark crisis. So a lot mm-hmm. of this is new, but a lot of it I've read before, but it's, it's been a long time for virtually all of these for me. And I've never read all of them together. Part of me is like, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe you shouldn't, but it's it'll be, be an fun. interesting uh, experiment to go right through all of them. Have you ever read uh, Christ on infinite earths? Cause I never have. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have read that. So 
that's our huge summer event that'll take us through, you know, July and August and September. So red skies. So that's coming nice. to digging for kryptonite really nice. soon. I hope people be, will it's check gonna be like it out. thirteen weeks straight of crisis. Yeah, it's it'll it'll be a lot, but I, I'm excited. Uh, it's funny, right on the table in front of us is the the print oh, copy yes. of Death Shroud number Thank one. Thank you so much for uh, supporting and hold up for the camera here. We had, I have to say, there were at least a couple of people who reached out to me after we did. Uh, you know, we did a little segment that we recorded and I put it at the top of one of the episodes uh, where you talked about Death Shroud and the Indiegogo campaign for issue number one. There were at least a couple of people who reached out to me who were like, oh, thanks for letting us know. Like, I'm going to go check it out. Uh, so hopefully they did and they got their copy and all of that. As we're recording this, there's currently an Indiegogo campaign going on for issue, issue two. two. Yep. So yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, one, for having me on to talk about it and to let everyone know about it. And thank you so much to all the listeners and thank you for buying it, you know, and supporting it. We appreciate that so much. And thank you to all the listeners who checked it out and supported it. We appreciate it so much. I appreciate it seriously from the bottom of my heart, like, uh, create your own comics, you know, um, indie comics. It's, it's, you know, it's, a struggle to, to get the audience out there to, to know about it, you know, just to like, to see it and to be aware of it, you know? So, uh, thank everyone for seriously, like means the world to me. Like, and like, if you've got any feedback, whatever, like tweet me, Instagram me, like, you know, I'm always posting about it. So, um, love to hear any feedback and yeah, I thank you so much for the support and please go check out the Indiegogo for issue two. Um, yeah, it's, we we're planning on, you know, keep going with these and, um, um, and then I've also got a, I'm also working on Vanish right now for Ryan Stegman. So I'm, I'm doing issue seven and eight of that. And so I believe the pre-order is up for, it. I'm literally starting issue eight yesterday. I started issue eight yesterday. So, um, that'll be awesome. And, um, then later in the summer, um, I, there's another creator owned project that I've been working on for a few years now with a writing partner of mine. And, um, I think this summer is what we're eyeing for the release of it. So, uh, you know, that should be very, very interesting. It's going to be different from everything else that I've worked on. Um, so that should be really fun. And so just, you know, follow me on the socials uh, and keep your ear out for that. Because I think, um, especially if you're a listener of this podcast and you like the ideas of superheroes and like nobility and like like uh, altruism and like those kind of themes, like you'll definitely like what um, this, this project is about. So um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, thank you for, for the support on everything. And Anthony, thank you for always helping and you getting the word out for all this stuff. No, my pleasure. I hope everyone will check that out and we'll put the link to the Indiegogo campaign in the show notes so people can click thank on you. that. If, thank you so if much. Like. And thank you again for everyone who checks it out and for the support. Thank you so much. Well, Ken, I thank you as always. I thank you for, for coming here and taking almost two and a half hours. I honestly, and I'll say this to you again off mic as well when I drop you off at home, but you know, especially given your schedule and everything that you're working on, I, I mean, I appreciate everyone who takes time to be on the show, you know, especially where I know you've got these deadlines that you're up against. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this. It's always so much fun. Oh, thank you, man. Like, it's always a blast for me too. It's like, it's like a vacation coming in, like hanging out and talking about this stuff. Like, it's fun. So awesome. That was episode 100 folks. I was yeah, really looking forward we did it. to doing this and it was, it was a blast and I'm glad we got to sort of take stock of what the journey has been. And, and I remain glad that this was the title for the show that we went with, especially the subtitle, because it really has been a journey. And I'm very grateful to everyone who's been on this journey with us. And I hope you'll stick with us for the next hundred episodes because they're coming. <laughs> All right, man. Can't wait. All right. So thank you, Ken. Thank you, audience. Make sure you come back in one week. Like I said, we'll be talking about Superman Space Age. And until then, as always, it's about what you do. It's about action. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. 
home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.